Hello and welcome to the Hogmanay episode of the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and I'm joined as always by the man who would have loved to have gone on the pool at Stringfellows with Craig Brown. It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? I'm doing good. Hogmanay only seems like a week since Christmas. It's not even I know. It's not even been Christmas yet because as always we're recording <laughs> well in advance. Um, <laughs> yes, we are. So I, I did something the other day, which I want to talk about very quickly. Um, it's something that I've never done before, but I've heard other people have done it. So I thought I was at work and you know what it's like? It's it's holiday time, right? So nobody's really working that hard. Mm-hmm. Certainly not me. And I was fucking about <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to Google my own name and see if, oh. if there's any interest in Greg Hurst's in the world. Okay. So the first one that came up, Greg Hurst convicted of killing his father. In Casper, Wyoming. <laughs> okay, it's a good start. Yep. Uh, strong start. Strong start. Um, there's also uh, a director called Greg Hurst uh, who directed a movie called Temporary Australians. There's another Instagram guy who's got the handle Thirsty Hursty Forty Four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's uh, there's in Australia there's Greg Hurst Racing. There's a Greg Hurst Racing team in Australia. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, and you have to get a Greg Hurst racing shirt or something. I know, that would be quite good. Um, so then I thought, just for a laugh, I would Google your name as well. Oh, thanks. <laughs> just Thanks very much. The, it's very kind. In the never-ending quest for content. Sorry to break it to you, but most Nicky Kemp's are ladies that come up on the internet. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's quite all right. Uh, I, I, it's understandable. One of which is an author, a published author, with a book called Be All You Should Be. And I'm going to just bring up the synopsis of this book. <laughs> so I am. So on the cover of the book, there we see a lady from the back walking across London Bridge towards uh, the Houses of Parliament. Um, she's a troubled lady. We can tell she's a troubled lady because she's not combed her hair. And the synopsis is set against a bleakly toxic educational backdrop. The start of Nina's journey tracks the shockingly incorrect years of the 1960s and 1970s. Don't know what was incorrect about them. But woven into her own story are the graphically remembered violations inflicted on her mother and her grandmother and their devastating lifelong repercussions. Some of some of them will in time be shared, but others will remain tantalisingly locked and linger to haunt the reader for months to come. It is Nina though, who is on course to discover perhaps the biggest secret of them all. So you can buy the paperback edition uh, of all you should be for 20 pence, or you can buy the oh. Kindle edition for £4.99. Uh, pens. I'll probably just do neither, Greg, <laughs> I think, to be perfectly honest. I mean, obviously, my namesake, maybe I should support, but yeah. it doesn't really sound like the kind of book I would read, no. to be perfectly honest. No, I no. don't think so. Uh, there's also a there's also a lady singer called Nikki Kemp who's got a song called Never Apart, which I couldn't find. Oh. I did look on iTunes. Um, and also, there's a children's author who is the author of best-selling although I'd only just heard of it when I looked this up, children's book series, Colin Camera, which is exactly as it sounds. It's a little camera with eyes, and I assume gets into adventures, takes pictures, gets into scrapes. Upskirts. <laughs> well, hopefully not. It's a children's uh, series of books. <laughs> but who knows if, 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 he, if he accidentally goes off under a lady's skirt now and again. 
you know, I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure it wasn't intentional. Just happens to look up and the flash goes off, and yeah, yeah there you go. So, well, this can happen when you've got a face for a camera or a camera for a face. That's true. Say. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's a Colin camera. Oh wow! Mm. I'll um, I'll have to look out for that. Yeah. Wow. So on, on my well, that's very interesting. On my, on my side, uh, murderers and racers. Not racists, racers. And on your side, uh, singers, artists, and authors. Yeah. There's also a doctor. I think I got the better deal there. There's also a doctor, Nikki Kemp, who works at Bath University, who's also a, who's oh, also a lady. Okay. I, I sense you're really pushing this. <laughs> also a lady, all ladies. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Anyway. Um, so, it's Hogmanay, Greg. So, what are your exciting plans for Hogmanay? Well, at the moment, um, uh, I'm sipping uh, an ice cold Blue Moon uh, Belgian white beer, oh. which I'm thoroughly enjoying. What are you? What are you on there? Um, I'm having a hot toddy because I'm full of the cold at the moment. As you, you might be able to tell from my voice, it's a little bit croaky. So yeah, I've got a cold. So I'm having a hot toddy, uh, just the standard whiskey, honey, lemon, hot water in your Sports Direct mug, which holds about a pint, about a pint of fluid. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's the biggest mug I have, so yeah, of course I'm gonna. I've got. We'll be recording for about two hours, so yeah, I needed something to to last me then. But I think I put a bit too much whiskey in this, so that gives me a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was feeling. I woke up feeling a bit ill yesterday, and I thought, you know what, I need a hot toddy. So I nipped down to the off license, and because I, I I do have whiskey, but it's like a single malt. And you don't want to use that in a hot toddy. No. Like okay, it's going to taste nicer, but it's a waste. So. Yeah. Um, so I just went out the office and bought a bottle of grouse for like 12 euros. For medicinal purposes. Exactly, for medicinal purposes, yeah. So I've been basically just drinking hot toddies for the last two days. The best thing about having the cold, because I live in an environment where drinking during the week when there's work and school is generally frowned on by more than one person in the house uh, and I'll get a bit of a hard time for it. But if I've got the cold, I can drink as many hot toddies as I want without oh. without fear of recrimination. It's completely allowed. It's, it's almost worth pretending to have the cold just so I can have <laughs> a hot toddy or two on a school night. Oh, very good. That's a bit dangerous, Greg. But yeah, never mind. That's um, that's fine. It's okay. It's all allowed. It's medicinal. Of course it is. Right. Well, since it is our Hogmanay episode, shall we have a look at what's been happening in the news in Scotland over the last couple of weeks? Cue the jingle. Hello. This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation. And here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, Greg, what have you seen in the last couple of weeks in Scotland that has caught your eye and you want to share with me and our lovely listeners? So uh, last year, I think it was, we had Elvis appear to a Dundee lady in the bottom of her uh, pot of McDonald's ketchup. A few months, yep. a f- couple of months ago now, we had uh, Louis Capaldi manifest in Greece not the country Greece, but the paper uh, which was wrapping someone's fish supper. So this is another story of that ilk, and the headline reads, Rangers fans stunned after spotting Alan McGregor in his toothpaste. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Um, the byline has got quite a funny mistake in it. So what the reporter's meant to write was, Brandon Morrow was brushing his teeth in his bathroom before bed when he spotted the keeper's spitting image in his sink. What he's actually written is, Brandon Morrow was brushing his team in his bathroom before bed. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> and nobody's gone back to correct it, even though this has been up since uh, the 6th of December, which is almost a week ago. So uh, a Scots football fan was left stunned after he spotted the spitting image. That could be a pun, because you're spitting at the sink, don't you? Yeah. That's what I was thinking, yeah, because yeah, he must have... He's probably spat into the sink. So yeah, I think that that is a pun, yeah. He's a Rangers fan, though, so he, he, he might just swallow everything when he's brushing his teeth. <laughs> um <laughs> So a Scots football fan was left stunned after he spotted the spitting image of former Rangers goalkeeper Alan McGregor in his toothpaste. Rangers fan Brandon Morrow was brushing his teeth in his bathroom, as opposed to his kitchen, before calling it a night on Sunday when he spat his toothpaste into the sink. However, the sterling native quickly spotted what he reckons is an uncanny resemblance to the 41-year-old shot stopper in the residue. Brandon Makes sense. He's a Rangers fan from Sterling. That makes sense, I suppose. <laughs> Brandon shared his discovery with his pals, who were left howling at his claims and shared the apparent resemblance to social media. An image shows the stainless steel plug at the bottom of the sink, covered with Brandon's toothpaste residue. In the centre of the image, a face can be made out which bears a ridiculous resemblance to the Rangers Hall of Famer. I mean, I'm looking at the picture now. I mean, it doesn't look like... If it looks like anything, it looks like Fagan off Oliver Twist. (laughs) I am looking at the picture as well, Greg, because I did have this story too. And I would say it looks... Did you ever watch The Mighty Boosh? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So when Noel Fielding used to dress up as the moon. Right, yeah. Like, his face covered in cream. (laughs) Oh, I'm the moon. It looks like that. Or it looks like the the protagonist from um, the, the Terrifier movies. Right, yeah. Looks looks a little bit like that, I would say, rather than Alan McGregor. But um, anyway, sorry, yeah. I digress. Very but yeah, I agree. It looks fuck all yeah. like him. I mean, the chip wrapper looked like Lewis Capaldi. This looks nothing like Alan McGregor. Yeah, and the, and the t- tomato sauce tub didn't really look like um, Elvis, but we agreed that it did look quite a lot like Alvin Stardust. Yes, we did, yeah. My Kukuchu. <laughs> um, so the, the, the article continues, the residue has created two spaces for the goalkeeper's eyes, as well as his nose and mouth, leaving Brandon stunned by the odd creation. He immediately messaged his pals via the messaging service WhatsApp, writing, Call me crazy, right? But why does my toothpaste look like Adam McGregor? That's how they sound in uh, Stirling. They speak a bit like they come from Dundee. <laughs> Uh, I know that because because my grandfather came from Stirling. I got relatives from there. Uh, Despite reckoning he'd stumbled on something, Brandon's pals were less impressed, jokingly telling him to fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) The image was shared online by Brandon's friend, Aaron Fraser. Sharing the snap on Sunday, he wrote, The resemblance is frightening, to be fair. It received over 3,200 likes, with Aaron himself adding, You need to borrow my glasses, mate. Uh, fellow footy fan Nathan Stapes joked, Spit an image was right there. Uh, it goes on to tell us some stuff about Alan McGregor, about how many times he played for Rangers, and how many times he didn't let any goals in, and how many and how many times he was decorated and stuff. But fuck, it goes a fuck about that. So, um, I think the only stat you need to know is that he's probably in my top five hated Rangers players of all time. <laughs> Who is his other four? Oh, that, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Um, <laughs> Barry Ferguson? Oh, yeah, he probably would be in there, actually. Yeah, 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 I'll have him, yeah. Okay, so we've got McGregor, we've got Ferguson. 
Neil McCann. Uh, no, no. It was good for Scotland. Neil McCann wasn't it? Like he, he yeah, I didn't mind Neil out, McCann that much. Turned out yeah. for Scotland, Neil McCann. Yeah, yeah, he did actually. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, I, I quite. I didn't mind him uh, for Scotland. Hated him obviously for Rangers, but no, he wouldn't make a top five. No, okay. Um, McCoist. No, you know something. It's hard not to like Adam McCoist, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, because obviously I hated him when he played for Rangers, but I think he's, I know he's the cheeky chappy, but you know, he is, he's good actually. Like I I really like um, when he commentates on games, like Mm. he is good. And obviously he redeemed himself, you know, question of sport and stuff. And shagging Hazel Irvin. A shot of glory. A shot of glory. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't actually mind McCoist. Okay. Um, and again, he turned out for Scotland. He did. You know, he was good. Yeah, he did turn up for Scotland. Um, okay, who else we got? What about Ian Durant? Um, no, wouldn't say I hate him, really, because obviously, you know, Neil Simpson effectively fucked him. So, yeah. um, you know, who got the last laugh there? So, no. <laughs> okay, so who are, the, who, are your, who are your other three then? Um, I would have to say um, probably Mark Hately. Right. Okay. Absolutely despise Mark Haley. Um Ryan Jack. Right. Because there's history there. And probably number one is um and I feel bad for saying this because he was Dutch and because he's no longer with us, but Fernando Rickson. Right, okay. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna yeah. I thought you were gonna say Teddy Butcher because he kicked a hole in the door of the Pataudry changing room, away team changing room. It's all right. I, I, I don't mind you know the only reason I don't mind Teddy Butcher is the fact that um he got so angry at Maradona for scoring the hand of God. Like, I, I kind of don't mind it because he's he was just so annoyed and angry. And apparently after the game, you know, he had him by the throat. And, you used your hand, you used your hand. And Maradona's like, no, 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 I used my head, I used my head. Like, so, um, so yeah, that's fine. It's fair enough. And, and he was kind of before my time. Um, right. When he was at Rangers, like just before, I think. So I don't hate him that much. I remember, I remember my grandfather being quite... Um, impressed with Terry Butcher because like my grandfather was sort of notoriously anti-English and obviously t- uh, Terry Butcher is as you just described is an Englishman who turned out for England but he <laughs> he um he is indeed my grandfather uh he liked he liked Terry Butcher and then when Terry Butcher bought his pub not my grandfather's pub but he bought himself a pub uh in Bridge of Allen near Stirling he saw he sort of cemented himself in my grandfather's good graces Ah, that's nice. That's a lovely story. Um, Yeah, so that's old uh, Brandon getting roasted on social media for putting a picture of uh, no fielding in the mighty bush or uh, Fagan from Oliver Twist or whatever you think it might be. Go on to the Daily Records and we'll find it quite quickly and let us know what you think. Like, again, I I would say, and this is one of the things, you know, why we started the podcast. Like, why is this in the newspaper? Like, you know something, the Lewis Capaldi one I can kind of understand. It's a funny story. They have to fill it. It looks like Lewis Capaldi. That is impressive. And it gave us some great quotes in that article as well with the guy saying, what's it? He's having a bad time at the moment, so I'm going to send him this. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I'll cheat him up. But whereas this is just, it looks nothing like him. How is this? Must have been one hell of a slow news day mm. for this to make the newspapers. Must have. And I do like his pal's reactions of just <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh dear. Well, have a merry Christmas, Brandon, if you can. What's uh, what's your next story? Which are your first story even this this week? Yeah, well, my first story this week, Greg, is about uh, one of my favourite Scottish comedians, Kevin Bridges. Okay. Who doesn't love Kevin Bridges? Nope. Yeah, everybody loves Kevin Bridges. He's got, uh, Everyone loves he's Kevin. Got, Bridges. He's got a new special out, which I've not watched yet. He but does. Yeah, it's very, very funny. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I guess that's why he was on the one show 
uh, last week mm. promoting his new special. So yeah, I do need to watch it. Um, I've seen him live a couple of times. So I'm live in Dubai actually. And he was fantastic. Like he's just so funny. So effortless as well, yeah. and just kind of a real guy. Uh, so he was um, he was on the one show last week, obviously promoting this special. So Kevin Bridges, and this is sorry, this is from the Scottish Sun uh, last week. Kevin Bridges has revealed a fan was caught having an affair at one of his shows after the man's wife spotted him on camera with another woman. <laughs> the comedian said that the audience member was filmed sitting with his mistress during his stand-up special, The Brand New Tour. The man's secret was uncovered when he was sitting watching a recording of the gig on TV with his wife on Christmas Day. Oh dear. The show was filmed at Glasgow's Hydro Arena in 2018 and later released on streaming platforms and as a DVD. Bridges, 37, originally from Clydebank, told how he had been inadvertently responsible for home wrecking during an appearance in the one show. He said... And I'm not going to do the accent. I don't do the accents for famous people. Yeah. I just do them for the, the normal punters. Yeah, we can't see you. He said, uh, uh, there is a story that means people should be aware when they come to a live show. Somebody told me on my last special that there was a guy in the audience with a female that he shouldn't have been with. The guy and his wife were watching it on Christmas Day and the camera cut to the crowd and he was having to explain. That's maybe a cautionary tale to be aware that the camera is always there. He added... That's a bit brutal for the one show, isn't it? A nice home-wrecking story. <laughs> uh, Bridges was on the show to promote his new stand-up special, sorry, this will be the one, The Overdue Catch-Up, which was filmed at Cork Opera House earlier this year. That's a bit of a shame. Why did they film it at Cork Opera House? Why? I, I always think, like, someone like that, it should always be filmed at, like, the Hydro or yeah. a Glasgow... Because you get better... get a much better reaction from a Glasgow crowd for a Glasgow comedian. It was released in cinemas last month and made almost £400,000 at the UK box office wow. before being made available to buy on DVD and as a digital download. I've never heard of that, a stand-up comedy show being released in the cinema. No, I've That's not. Quite impressive. I've not heard of a, of a stand-up comedy show. I've mean, seen when they've done sort of like West End shows sort of beamed live hmm. to the cinema or Broadway or something, but never a stand-up comedian. I've even seen, I think it was in Dubai, like I remember they were even like showing like WrestleMania in the cinemas right. and stuff. Like, and you could go along to that, but I could not be fucked with that purely because going to the cinema in Dubai was bad enough, let alone going to watch something like that, yeah. um, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, why film it at Cork? That's weird, I don't know. But this <clears throat> led to me asking, I mean, obviously it's a shame for this guy, but obviously he was he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. He was caught out, you know, as Billy Conley told us, you know, if you tell lies, you should always expect to get captured. Yeah. But have you ever been caught somewhere you shouldn't have been or filmed like been on TV or something somewhere you shouldn't have been, if that makes sense. No. What about you? Have you ever been filmed in a place that you're not supposed to be? Yes. Uh, I think back in maybe 2003 or something, um, I was working in a bar in Aberdeen. Ah, fuck it. I've mentioned before it was Revolution. <laughs> I was working there. They can't fucking sue me now. For, um, and I'd completely forgotten that, I think it was a Wednesday night, I was working and I was on the evening shift and I'd completely forgotten to book it off because it was Aberdeen Rangers at Pitodry. Right. And I thought, right, if I ask people to swap shifts, then, and I don't get my shift swapped, then I'm fucked because they'll know that, do you know what I mean? Like they'll know that I can't phone in sick yeah. because they're going to know that I've asked to swap the shift. So I didn't. So I just phoned in sick yeah. and got tickets to the game. <laughs> and... 
it was it, like it was a big crowd. So and we, it was kind of last minute. So the only tickets me and my mate could get were in the main stand. And it just so happened we were sat in like the second row and the game was on TV. <laughs> Which channel was it on? And Satanta. Um, it must have been on, I don't know, back in the day. It was probably on Satanta or Sky Sports. Um, one of the two back in the day. But it was it was definitely televised, so it would have been on. And at Pataudry, the cameras are in the south stand, so they face the main stand. And it just so happened there was like a massive fucking punch-up just literally in front of where we were sitting. So we were on TV. <laughs> so... so, <laughs> so <laughs> now thankfully Revolution didn't have TVs so they weren't showing the game or anything yeah. but some of my colleagues were watching the game and saw me and my mate <laughs> at the game shouting abuse <laughs> <laughs> thankfully they never told the management or anything but oh. yeah I was caught good and proper attending the football match and uh, having phoned in sick so <laughs> I never did it again after that but uh, yeah that was definitely a, a lesson learned that i always made sure i got those games off from then on in or just ask people to swap my shifts that's hilarious i remember um i don't know if this is a bit of a family apocryphal tale but the home counties tie sort of home count home counties home countries tie in the 1970s between scotland and england when the when scotland won the scottish fans invaded the pitch and broke the goalposts mm. and everything so oh, yeah. this, this this sort of family tale is, is that my uncle donny because uh, it was a bank holiday weekend and he knew that he wouldn't get back for his shift on the Tuesday because he just wouldn't make it. So he asked if he could have the Tuesday off. And his, uh, no, it must have been this. I can't remember, but I can't remember exactly what happened. But he asked for a day off to get back. And uh, his boss said, no, he was an apprentice, a plumber at the time. So he phoned in sick. <laughs> and he went to the game. And uh, he came back and he turned up for work the, uh, the, the next day. And his boss said, Donnie, come here a minute. Let me ask you something, son. Be honest with me here. Did you go to the game in London? And Donnie said, no. I was I, I was hardly at my bed all, all weekend. I was, I was so ill. Honestly, I, he says, I thought, Catherine, I thought Kathleen phoned in for me and told you I was so ill. And his boss said, you sure? You sure that's what you want to tell me? And Donnie's like, I can't. Honestly, boss, I can't. So his boss reaches into his bag, gets a copy of the Sunday Mail, <laughs> slides it across the table. And apparently, front page, or not the front page, the, on the splash page, there's a picture of Donnie <laughs> and his mate. <laughs> in the middle of his mate, in between him and his mate, is a WPC. <laughs> Who's got her arms around them at the sides? <laughs> His mate's missing a tooth because when he climbed, when he invaded the pitch, uh, and the police were trying to bat them back, one of them caught him in the mouth with his baton and knocked out his tooth. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> so it's basically a, a big bruise in his cheek and his tooth missing, and then they're po- I think they must be posing. It must be outside. It must be outside the. The, the ground. I can't imagine the police were posing for photographs when thousands of the Tartan army were swarming across Wembley. But yeah, anyway, suffice to say, Donnie got his jotters and had to go and resume his apprenticeship elsewhere. Oh, fucking hell. What a great story. That's impre- <laughs> incredible to be caught out like that. <laughs> fucking. 
big spread in the fucking Sunday Mail. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as I say, it could be an, an apocryphal tale. Um, I've never seen the picture, but I thought it was a good story, regardless of how much of it's true or not, I don't know. Oh, very good. Oh, well, there you go. There's a lesson learned. If you're going to go somewhere with cameras, <laughs> just don't get caught. Yeah. That's why I hate having my photo taken. Yeah. So. <laughs> not that I'm doing anything to, to get caught off, but just yeah. in general. Anyway, um, okay, Greg, uh, what else have you seen this week? Okay, so my next one uh, comes from a daily record on the 7th of December, a few days ago. The headline reads, Goggle box stalker stripped off and swam across loch in bid to escape rescue teams. So this is a, a former goggle box researcher. Uh, for those of you across the st- who live overseas, Gogglebox is a fairly popular Channel Four um, sort of Friday night program where members of the public are filmed watching and reacting to the week's sort of biggest TV events. They sometimes have celebrities on there. I think it's it's usually better when it's celebrities than it is when they have normal people on there. But uh, no, I used to watch Gogglebox. I prefer it when it's the normal oh, people. Do you? Yeah. yeah, fair enough. So this is a former Gogglebox researcher. Uh, she stalked her police officer lover, um, stripped off and swam across a Scottish loch as concerned medics and a passing kayaker <laughs> mounted the rescue Jesus. operation. Rachel Barnes has recently been released from prison after being jailed for mounting a surveillance operation on a man she met on a dating site and his new lover. Uh, she caused a near miss on the A9 near Pitlochry and initially fell into Loch Fiscali as she made a drunken escape on foot to evade paramedics at the scene. Uh, Barnes, who's 29, appeared in the dock at Perth Sheriff Court on Wednesday and admitted driving when she was more than three times over the alcohol limit on September the 5th of last year. Uh, Sheriff Jennifer Bain, KC, noted she had a previous drink driving conviction and banned her from the road for three years in order to carry out 135 hours of unpaid work. The court heard how Barnes triggered a rescue operation after abandoning, abandoning her car in the wake of a near miss and then trying to escape by entering the loch after stripping down to her underwear. She was running away from the ambulance workers when she initially fell into the loch but later climbed out of the water took most of her clothes off and jumped back in. Uh, Barnes from London approached the giveaway junction in her black Audi A3 without slowing down or giving way. Another vehicle had to swerve to avoid her. She came to a halt between the verge and the carriageway. A passing ambulance stopped to offer assistance and paramedics noticed that Barnes was acting strangely, smelling strongly of alcohol and was clearly heavily intoxicated. She repeatedly stated that she didn't want any help, then she ran off towards Loch Fiscali and entered the water. She later stripped down to her underwear and began swimming in the loch, prompting the emergency response. The emergency services, including police and fire crews, were called to the suite the scene as Barnes swam about 200 metres into the centre of the loch. That's quite far. And struggled, yeah. and struggled to stay afloat. A kayaker who entered the loch threw her a life jacket, which she used as a buoyancy aid to swim back to shore. Once on dry land, she was assessed by paramedics and taken to police headquarters. Breathalyzer test found her to be over the legal alcohol limit. Her solicitor, oh. David, <laughs> shockingly, uh, her solicitor, David Holmes, submitted letters of support for Barnes from her father and her godfather, who was a psychiatrist. Um, so yeah, that's uh, what was her name? Jennifer? No, not Jennifer Barnes. Uh, what's her name? Rachel Barnes running away from the police. By I mean, to swim two hundred 
meters. I don't think I could swim 200 meters when I was sober, let alone no. pished and in a freezing cold walk. <laughs> Not a fucking chance I could do that. That's that's very, I was going to say it's very brave. No, it's very fucking stupid. But that's insane. Yeah. So, especially if you're going to stalk someone, police officer is probably not the best person to be stalking, is it? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, probably not. No. Well, she, apparently she, she, she carried out a three-month surveillance operation on uh, the policeman, whose name is PC William Saunders. Uh, her surveillance operation included posing as a delivery driver to monitor him and his new girlfriend. Shortly after their encounter, um, Barnes started her, what was it say? Uh, shortly after the encounter, uh, well, William Saunders broke it off with her and Barnes started her own investigation, finding out private information about his new lover. Uh, the, the, the officer's new partner, police investigator Catherine Baird, then found herself at the heart of Barnes' investigation in January 2021. Phone records show that Barnes' mobile pinged near her home on more than 400 occasions, but it's unclear how many times she visited the property. Barnes also made false reports to Thames Valley Police that she had allowed PC Saunders to visit her home that would have breached COVID regulations. She created fake social media profiles and added PC Saunders, Miss Baird, and her housemate. She poses a delivery driver in order to get them to open a door. Fucking hell. That is uh, pretty dedicated. <laughs> yeah, very dedicated, I would say. And probably not the best police officer anyway, if he's um, not noticing that someone's mounted a three-month surveillance on him. Yeah, exactly. I know. I mean, she's obviously she's obviously not very well. You know what I mean, um, mm. and and needs it uh, needs a bit of um, support, uh, therapy, and counselling. But I'm always like, I'm always sort of, I'm always sort of fascinated how people can have like a fairly fleeting encounter with somebody and then just you know go to that those sort of lengths to be near them and to get involved in our lives and stuff when it's clear that it's a sort of one-sided thing, you know? Yeah, we've all seen Fatal Attraction, Greg, well, of so course, we know yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's exactly it. It's been around since the 80s. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yes. You know, they've just done a Fatal Attraction TV series. Um, I've, not seen, I've not seen it. Apparently it's not very good. Yeah, I did. I was listening to a podcast about that, actually. Um, I can't remember what it was. And they mentioned that... And that was the main reason, because there's a show, I don't know if you've ever seen Party Down TV show. No, I, I know about it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Highly recommend it. I absolutely love the show. You'll be able to watch it now, now you've got your new TV. Yeah. Um, you will absolutely love it. And they did two series back years ago, and then they just did a reboot, like kind of a new series. And it's brilliant. Uh, absolutely brilliant show and Lizzie Kaplan was in the first two series but then she didn't come back for the reunion and it was because she was busy filming the Fatal Attraction TV show ah, right, okay. and, and the podcast I was listening to was like well that was a bit shit wasn't it like you know <laughs> that was a bit stupid because the party down kind of reunion was very well received right. whereas exactly as you've said the Fatal Attraction was um, it's not not so much yeah I quite like Lizzie Kaplan yeah I was I was very disappointed she wasn't um, in the new series, but they got Jennifer Garner to replace her, yeah. which um, was also a welcome addition because I'm a big fan of Jennifer Garner. I was quite pleased when um, she turned up in. I quite enjoyed the what's it called? Now you see me. Those sort of musician uh, magician films with um, mm. Mark Ruffalo and Jesse what's his face and Woody Harrelson and stuff in it and Eisenberg yeah, yeah um, the first one had uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's wife in it whose name I've just yeah Isla, Isla Fisher. Fisher and then she didn't come in for the second one so they got Lizzie Kaplan in instead and I have to say I enjoyed the second one more than the first one 
and largely down to yeah. her <laughs> and her performance. Well, you would enjoy Party Down her first two seasons anyway. <laughs> Um, first two seasons of Party Down you would enjoy very much because um, yeah it's she's, yeah she's younger in it and she's um, yeah very cute I don't mean younger as in like you know um, Gary Glitter type style yeah. but I mean she's you know yeah. um, anyway okay um, okay um, moving on moving on what's your next story <laughs> uh, so my next story is from the Scottish Sun this week and the headline literally just reads bizarre <laughs> Um, so, a sleeping family were woken up at 3am by a drunken stranger snoring on their living room couch. Marion Bialov was left stranded in Stonehaven after he was thrown off a bus heading for Edinburgh for being too drunk. The 49-year-old then wandered into the family's unlocked home instead of booking a hotel. <laughs> the family of four, consisting of two adults and two teens, were woken up by Bialov's snoring that sounded like groaning. When the parents challenged him over being there, he showed his passport to them and claimed they didn't want to help him. (laughs) The alarming incident happened on December the 5th last year. Uh, Fiscal despute uh, Andrew McCann, sorry, fiscal deputy Andrew McCann told Aberdeen Sheriff Court. Mr McCann explained both went to investigate out of concern for themselves and the children and found the accused in the lounge area standing at the bottom of the stairs. When Bialov of Beaufort Hotel in Inverness was asked if he was all right, he showed the passport to his couple, this couple and said, you don't want to help me. The police were then called to the property. Bialov pled guilty to behaving in a threatening or abusive manner. Uh, Defence agent Mike Monroe described his client's behaviour as utterly bizarre. This is his defence agent. <laughs> This is his defence and said that Bialov took the train to Aberdeen for a few days off. Mr Monroe added he consumed a vast amount of alcohol. Then he got it into his head that he wanted to go to Edinburgh. He'd never been there before. However, so drunk was he that the driver elected to remove the accused at Stonehaven. How drunk have you got to be that if you get on a megabus in Aberdeen, you get thrown off at Stonehaven? That's like a 15 minute drive. Yeah. He must have been fucking paralytic. So... So now we have the accused, very drunk, and wandering around Stonehaven. The accused, for reasons we cannot comprehend, in his drunken state, was looking for somewhere to stay for the night, and ended up going around back gardens and landed up at this address, knocking ornaments and plants over. (laughs) Again, this is his defence, Greg. The door was insecure, and in he went. Mr Monroe acknowledged that the family of four would have been frightened during the incident. He also explained that the groaning they heard was his client's snoring. He then told the court that his client woke up and was then found by the couple meandering around the ground floor of the property. Mr Monroe added that Bialoff apologised to the householders for the fear that he caused them. Uh, Sheriff Margaret Hodge told Bialoff it must have been very frightening for the householders that you entered their house in the middle of the night, bang, find £290. <laughs> that's it. He's broken and entered into their house and he's been fined 290 quid, and that's it. Maybe the family have decided that it was a honest, albeit bizarre and fairly silly mistake and, you know, no harm done. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, it must have been. Like, he was obviously, he was pissed. He just decided, you know, on a whim, let's go to Edinburgh. Let's get the fucking bus down. Yeah. But... You know, how hammered you got to be to get thrown off a bus in 15 minutes? <laughs> That's impressive. He must have been doing something on that bus. I mean, he must have been really annoying. I wish they'd interviewed the bus driver <laughs> to explain his side of the story and tell us that why he threw him off after 15 minutes. Because, 
Yeah, I mean, could you imagine being launched off a bus and effectively being stranded in Stonehaven? <laughs> and the thing is, like, he's obviously gone trying loads of doors before mm. he's found one that's open. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit weird. I mean, can you imagine if you opened the wrong door? It's like fucking some hard cunt. <laughs> it's like comes down, kicks this absolute fucking cunt in, drags him out into the garden, <laughs> and phones the police. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you don't want to be doing that. Or worse, there's like two fucking Dobermen waiting for you as you open the door. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. It's I mean, to be fair to the bus driver, there's nothing worse. And it's happened to me a couple of times when I used to go up and down between Glasgow and Aberdeen like fairly regularly. Nothing worse than being stuck beside somebody who's a bit pissed and just insists on fucking talking at you. Do you know what I mean? It must have happened to you before, I'm sure. Fucking happened to be on your stag do <laughs> on the the bus to the airport. Your dad effectively told the the Spanish oh, that's right to fucking that he was going to knock him out if he fucking, <laughs> and he went and sat elsewhere. Your dad saved my life effectively that day. Oh, that's right. Sat next to some fucking Spanish Jakey. He kept offering me booze from his water bottle that looked like his own pish. Uh, but he was drinking it and he was really having a go at me, and I was. I don't know, I was a bit timid. I was fucking massively hungover. And I was just kind of ignoring him, but he was really annoying me. And then your dad basically stepped in and told him to get to fuck. I forgot all about that. I remember, um, yeah. I remember actually, what you were doing. I think you had elected to sit by yourself when we got in the bus because you were getting ready for an interview because you were in the process of moving to Dubai. So you were, oh, yeah, you, you were so you had brought all your notes and everything so you could you could swat up on the bus. I think your interview must have been that week because we came back from Dubai. I think mm. on the Sunday or the Monday eh, from Dubai from Barcelona on the Sunday or the Monday. And so yeah, <laughs> poor Nicky. It's all right, boys. I'm just going to sit here on my own. I need to I need to just get this in my head. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Then fucking sat beside fucking accosted by Roberto C. Nesbito. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about yeah. that. Yeah, he was a fucking head case, that guy. God, thank God for your dad. Total safe my skin that day. <laughs> Fuck knows what happened to me then. <laughs> no, drinking some uh, Spaniards pish. Uh, I, I remember once coming down on the train from Aberdeen and, and sometimes you would... There'd be guys that would be getting on that had just come back from, you know, the sort of a couple of weeks' rotation on the rigs. And, and this old fella fucking sat next to me one night. Uh, it was a Friday night and he was hammered. Because you would sometimes get, if I, if I got the train from Aberdeen early in the morning, you would these guys would sometimes get on. And they, 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 they'd obviously bought a fucking carry out the night before. <laughs> so they'd get on the train at like 8.30 in the morning with sort of half a dozen cans of McEwen's Export and a, a half bottle of whiskey for the two and a half hour journey from Aberdeen to Glasgow. <laughs> um, so and still run out. <laughs> yeah, just for themselves. Uh, so, but, uh, so I can only, because I was getting the train on the Friday night, I can only assume that this guy had landed back at Dice in the morning and just spent the day in the fucking pub. He probably missed a few trains. Ah, oh, sorry, I'll get the next one. Get the next one. So he sat next, he was sat opposite me and he was a Rangers fan. And he just fucking, he was just like, like quizzing me on Rangers. I was just, I was just trying to read my book, right? This was, this was the beat. This was the early 2000s. There was no iPads, no smartphones. Sitting there reading my book. I had bought a couple of beers from the trolley. I was quite content. I wasn't bothering him, but it's just one of those fucking annoying fucking cunts that can't just be quiet and has to just talk at somebody. And he was like, oh, I bet you can't even name the starting 11 for Rangers. And I was like, I could not give a fuck. 
And the thing about <laughs> the, the, the the thing about people like that from Glasgow uh, is that you know you're you're if you say you're from Glasgow, you can only be one or the other. If you say yeah. if you say you support Partick Thistle, they're like, no, you don't. Yeah, well, yeah. And you're up. If you say you support Partick Thistle, you obviously support the opposing team, the team that they support. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, who's, who's your big team, though? <laughs> yeah. Come on. Who's your big team? <laughs> so in the end, it was so fucking annoying, and this and the train was full. So instead of going all the way to Glasgow, I phoned my dad. My dad rescued me, much like he rescued you. And I said, look, uh, are you okay to pick me up at Stirling? And I'll just stay at Cumbernauld tonight. And I'll, I'll go I'll go home in the morning. And he said he would. So I got off at Stirling. <laughs> had a night at my dad's just to get away from this fucking annoying cunt. Oh, hell, your dad was just... He was like the fucking equaliser, wasn't he? <laughs> the fucking hero. Sorting shit out. Yeah. So, what a legend. Solving all my problems. I could have used them. Uh, I could have done one of my couple... Uh, Last week, because we were selling our, our well, our house is sold now. It's completely done. But I had a really hard, mm. I had a really hard time getting um, the bits and bobs of furniture that were still in the house taken away. So, I, mm. you know, whereas if my dad was there, he'd have sorted that, <laughs> fucking dealt with that in about <laughs> half an hour. Um, it just had gone. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Anyway. Oh well, well that is our um, our hero there, our drunken hero, falling asleep on people's sofas. <laughs> Anyway, uh, have you seen anything else this week, Greg? Uh, no, that's that's all my news. But in the last episode, you and I went down a wee bit of a, a Cosmo rabbit hole. We were thinking of rabbit hole? Rabbit hole. We were sort of imagining what uh, the Cosmo Christmas party uh, might be like at the, the big man's house. So I was thinking, well, if he has a Christmas party, James, I'll bet he has a Hogmanay party. Oh, aye. Yeah. And, I was th- and I was thinking to myself, he strikes me as a sort of, as a quite a traditional guy, James Cosmo. So he's going to, he's, he's arranged a Hogmanay party. He's invited all his friends, like the, the great and the good of uh, Scottish actors, screenwriters, mm. directors. And when Cosmo has a, a Hogmanay party, it's very traditional. Everyone's there. With a tie on, got to be smart, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you have. To, oh, you got to be smart at Cosmos. Yeah, you have to be on your feet for the bells. Any mm-hmm. anybody not on their feet for the bells doesn't get asked back ever again. <laughs> uh, that's just that's just a non-starter in Cosmos' house. You you McGregor did it when he was uh, a young actor starting out. You know, he just got shallow grave under his belt, fucking sleeping on Cosmo's couch at five to twelve. Has never been asked back since. No. And then steak pie after midnight. But he does want anybody to stay too late because he's got to get a flight in the morning to Bulgaria for a couple of lines and some fucking swords and sandals film that he's got. <laughs> he's got a couple. He's got a couple of days work on. Two days work, three thousand pounds in hand plus expenses. So he doesn't want anybody to stay too late. But you know, wh- who do you think? Who do you think he's inviting along to the to the Cosmo Hogmanay party? Ah, oh, all the good and the great, of course. I mean, Alex Norton will be there. Um, Norton's there. He'll invite Peter Mullen. Peter Mullen probably won't show up though. Mm. I mean, Jonathan Watson will be there. Dave Anderson, obviously, not invited no. after the debacle of the Garden. No, you only get one chance with Cosmo. Yeah, and that's you it. only get one chance. Matt Costello, he does invite, but he's just stood in the kitchen yeah. again, telling everyone about Wonder Woman eighty four yeah. and Gal Gadot, how he <laughs> tried to crack onto her but didn't get she anywhere. Wasn't it. Nah, yeah. didn't get anywhere at all. Um, I think I mean David Heyman hey, is obviously there. Hey, but I, Heyman gets there early. I think. You know, yeah. I think Heyman get, Heyman's there early. He's there early, and he said, and he he, always, he does he does it every year. He says, "Look, James, don't think I can stay until midnight. You know, a bit late, blah blah blah. I need to get got, I need to get back. I've got stuff on the next day." But he's always one of the last ones to leave in the end. 
Like, but he's fine. Yeah. He's a good egg. Doesn't cause any bother. And Cosmo's ordered in early, so he has got the slabs of Kestrel mm-hmm. and McEwen's export. Yeah. Tenants, obviously. Yep. Um, baby Sham for the ladies. For Mrs. Cosmo. Yep. And yeah, for Mrs. Cosmo and for um, Barbara Rafferty. Um, <laughs> and, Elaine C. Um, Smith. Sure, Elaine C. Yeah. Smith and Shirley Henderson. They're there. Affleck's on the door, obviously. You know, <laughs> as is. always. Um, I think Tony Roper is probably sat on the couch just demolishing the lazy Susan that he has, which has like pickled onion and cheese cubes yeah. and ham cubes as well. Yeah. And Tony Roper's just sitting there telling everyone about Touch the Dog's Earth, <laughs> the game he used to play as a kid <laughs> whilst eating pickled onions. Ellie Harrington will be there. Um, I, she's probably doing the dishes and loading the dishwasher, she's, like helping out. Yeah, she's chatting away to Mrs. Cosmo. I, I can see Ellie and Mrs. Cosmo sitting in the kitchen, wee cold glass of baby sham each, just cracking away, arms folded, keeping an eye on the steak pie. You know, Ellie's, is there anything I can do? You know, do you want me to, do you want me to wash up with some dishes? Do you want me to, you want me to set the table? And Mrs. Cosmo's like, no, no, Ellie, you're a guest. And James is like, no, 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 no. You just relax there, Ellie. Mrs. Cosmo will take care of all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll have some bit parters like Gordon Kennedy. Yep. You know, yep. he'll be there, but just kind of milling around, looking at things, seeing what's going on. Just glad to be there, you know, just... Yeah, I, I can see Kennedy maybe just sort of keeping his ears open for any work, you know. Yeah, you know, but what are you working on? He'd, uh, you know, maybe chatting up Alex Norton. Are you doing another series of Two Doors Down next year? You know, I think that's a wee part it's, for me on there. Is Taggart coming back? You it's know, that. I could always do that. Yeah. You know, I could always be villain number three or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I can always help out with that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, can, I can always do that. I can, yeah, I, can, I can see Cosmo, you know, it's all good. The, the, the party's going really well. You know, it's a really nice atmosphere. There's a wee bit of the sort of Lucky White Heather Club music on. Not too loud, you know, because Cosmo wants people to talk and things. But yeah. he, he takes Alex Norton to one side and has a wee word with him about his weight. You know, just mum and Alex. Oh, do you think? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not a young man oh, anymore. Alex. You're not a young man anymore, Alex. To watch what you're doing there, son. You know, this is a young man's game. You get too fat, parts will dry up. You're getting on a bit. Come on, man. Look what what happened to Tom Urey. When was the last time you saw him in the telly? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck's sake. Do you think Cosmo strikes me as a type that would have like a little um, salute like they have at the Oscars? Um, he maybe has like a slideshow prepared for like all the Scottish actors we've lost. Yeah, I think so. Like over the the year, so you have like a um, Robbie Coltrane. Mm-hmm. Was that this year? Oh no, that, that was, was last year. year I think was it not? Robbie it was last year, yeah. wasn't it? It was last year. Who um, died this year? Well, well, John Byrne. I know he's not not an actor, but a you know yeah. fine contributor to he'd have, Scottish arts. Yeah, he'd have like a little slideshow there to mm. to show you know everything and then i almost imagine him in a way it's a bit like festivus with frank costanza they have like an airing of grievances <laughs> that cosmo sits everyone in a circle <laughs> and they have to air any grievances they've had over the year to cleanse their year to le- before to leave the it, new year begins to leave it in the leave it yeah. in the old year and go into the new year Clean and freshly, right? He's quite spiritual, right? His cosmos, right, okay. so he believes in that. Right. He does meditation, he does yoga, mm-hmm. and he believes that you have to, you know, out with the old, in with the new. Yeah. And you have to cleanse yourself. So I, I think he does sit everyone in a circle and they have to air any grievances that they've had over the previous year. So, you know, 
Barbara Rafferty might be annoyed at Elaine C. Smith for taking one of our roles yeah. or something, um, as in a, a show role, not like a sausage roll <laughs> or something. <laughs> Rab Affleck's obviously going to be pissed off with somebody about something that yeah. you know that's upset him. Well, he's an easygoing guy, but this is his time. Yeah, this is the time he can let it out exactly. and he can let it show. Exactly. I think David Heyman's just sat in the corner, just thinking about going fishing, not really worried yeah. about anything. Yeah. Um, Pished, Alex Norton's. Kind of looking at the buffet, thinking, oh, "Fuck, I would." Cosmo's words love one of the, ringing in his ears. Love one of those mince pies, yeah. but yeah, Cos- Cosmo said I need to watch my weight, so yeah. I don't know. And then um, Steve McCall's just pissed off because he's had to stop DJing. <laughs> Turn the music off. Yeah, it's just about just about it, McCall was just about to tee up like a quite an obscure Aztec camera B side um, when Cosmo yeah. came and switched off the decks. Yeah. Oh yeah, Cosmo's like, no, it's time for the. Yeah. The Cosmo chat, the the Cosmo the Cosmo clearance, yeah. we will call it. For that's the, yeah. the thing. And then Tam Dean Barnes just sitting there with his head in his hands, like, oh for fuck's sake! Like I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. <laughs> um, I don't know what's going on here. Compton, Martin Compton, still excluded from the Cosmo Hogmanay party uh, because the the first time that he was invited, just after his uh, sort of star making turn in Sweet Sixteen, as we described last last time, he. Took Cosmo's bathroom door off and sledged down the stairs on it. So, <laughs> you know, there's some things that Cosmo just can't forgive. And do it, t- taking the big man's bathroom door off is just not allowed. No, you never, never take the big man's bathroom door off. That's just ridiculous. But definitely not. So, yeah, Compton doesn't get invited back, you know. Okay, you know, Cosmo had the tools out at fucking like quarter to twelve, almost missed the bells putting that fucking bathroom door back on. <laughs> Mrs. Cosmo and Barbara Rafferty both bursting for a pish because Cosmo's only got one bathroom he doesn't see the need to have an ensuite. he's got a nice old house one bathroom's fine you... Cosmo grew up in a house with one bathroom why would you know what's why do we need more than one bathroom hey, you know Cosmo grew up with a fucking outdoor clutch. Well, there you go he doesn't yeah. it's nothing <laughs> he's nothing yeah there's nothing there he he knows the you know he, he hasn't grown up with privilege exactly. so he's He's there. Yeah. He's fine. One bathroom can be managed perfectly well with discipline and getting out your bed in the morning. Until Brian Pettifer blocks the toilet <laughs> yeah. and then all hell breaks loose. Because Cosmo's got to get the plunger out and he's fucking hammering away at it. He's got- and he's like, for fuck's sake, what's going on? It fucking last year it was the door with Compton. This year it's Pettifer blocking the toilet. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Can I not just have a fucking Hogmanay in peace and enjoy my black bun and my steak pie my without being fucking <laughs> my tartan special, without having to constantly be in this fucking kludgy yeah. sorting shit out? Heyman's a pet of ours, really apologetic about it though. But Heyman's looking a bit green in the corner as well. It's only a matter of time before he has to go and fucking spew his ring. He's only a wee fella. <laughs> I mean, I've met David Heyman. He's not a very tall man, and he's quite slight. Quite a slight guy, you know? Quite thin, wiry. Can't hold these fucking cans, you know? It always <laughs> says, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I can't stay for long, James. He's, you know, James knows that Mrs. Cosmo's making a bed up on the sofa for Heyman because there's no way he's going home. All it takes is he gets he gets talking, he gets talking about Peter McDougall, or he gets talking about when he was in uh, Burking Hair with them. Um, Simon Pegg and Andy Serkis. Next thing you know, he's five cans of Kestrel deep. He's looking a bit green about the gills. He's not he's not eating enough, crucially. Cosmo's got to have the the reverse conversation with him. 
because he's so fucking skinny. Okay, okay, come on, James. If you're going to be hands, if you're if you're going to be hands on cans at a Cosmo Hugbany party, you need to get wired into that steak pie, son. Yeah, um, but yeah, he has to. He has to get someone inside him. It, Definitely. I mean, well, that Cosmo knows that he's going to have to fucking put a bucket on the living room carpet next to his sofa when when he fucking <sighs> when he puts when he puts him into bed later on. Well, fucking Mrs. Cosmo's just had that carpet cleaned, especially for this party. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if he spews his ringer on it? It's going to go fucking mental. Yeah. And Cosmo's got to get, Jesus Christ. Cosmo's got to get up early. He's got that flight to Bulgaria to catch. He's going to have to make sure that Heyman's up and out the house because he's you know. It's just it's, a, it's not the right thing to leave some you know like a pissed up colleague on the sofa at home uh, and only misses Cosmo. You know what I mean? So he got to get get Heyman up off the sofa and out on his way to the airport. And how do you think Cosmo will react when some of the neighbourhood kids come round? Like much like two doors down, mm. you know they're coming round. They've heard there's a party there. They've come round. They've knocked on the door. Cosmo inviting them in for a wee can, a wee can of tartan special. I think I think if he knows the da, it's okay. If it's if you know if if it's he'll be like, who's your da? What 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 door do you live at? And if uh, if they pass the inquisition and Cosmo has had like a you know he's seen the dad, the dad looks all right. He's seen him out washing his car on a Sunday. Cosmo respects that. He knows some of his other neighbours fucking drive down to the drive down to the car wash and pay some Polish guy three quid. Cosmo respects when a man is out in his drive spending two or three hours meticulously washing and caring for his car. So if it's one of those if one of those if it's one of those kids whose dad does that, Cosmo will let them in. Maybe give them like a wee snowball or something like that, or a wee can of top deck. Mm. Um, one eye on them all the time to make sure that they don't get wired into the tartan special or the kestrel, because you know. They want to have to have that conversation. Does he want to have this guy chapping in the door? The last thing Cosmo wants to do on Hogmanay is have to fucking give one of his neighbours a, a fucking belt in the ear um, because his wee boys left Cosmo's house pished and gone home. Yeah, but then there's another chap in the door. Cosmo answers the door. And it's Kevin Guthrie. So, I mean, that is the second biggest mistake of Kevin Guthrie's life. <laughs> 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 that he's making there. What's... What's Cosmo's reaction to that? I can see, right, Cosmo's a redhead, and I can just see that pale complexion flushing the fucking colour of an 80s dawn strip. He won't say a word. He'll turn. Costello will have been on his way to the bog. He'll have seen when um, Cosmo's opened the door, he'll have seen Guthrie there, and he's hurried there. He's hurried in between them. He's told James, look, I'll sort this out, James. You go away inside. You go away inside, Jim. And he said to Guthrie, look, son, what the fuck are you doing? How could you come back here? This man will kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Ruined his hug, man, eh? It's fucking ruined. But that's only the beginning, Mm. because after he's just finished unblocking the toilet that Brian Petfer's (laughs) blocked, he's heard these noises coming from his bedroom. The bed he shares with Mrs. Cosmo. And he's gone in and he's found Joy McAvoy and Ian Robertson fooling around. What's Cosmo's reaction at that? I mean, I think Cosmo's, I think at this point, Cosmo's wondering why the fuck he bothers opening his house up. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's had to go in there. He's had to tell Joy to fucking put her blouse back on. He's got Ian by the ear. He's fucking dragging him down the stairs. Ian's out the door, Cosmo's boot planted firmly in his arse, and a warning to watch out for the gnomes on his way to the garden gate. <laughs> That's him banned <laughs> for life. That's... No barbecues, no Christmas parties, no Hanukkah, no the last New Year's parties, no St Andrew's Day, no Burns Night. He's done. That's a lot. He's on the list with Guthrie and Dave Anderson <laughs> and Compton. <laughs> That's the last time. 
That's uh, the very last time Ian Roberts ever gets invited back. McAvoy, you know, they he's going to give her the benefit of the doubt. She's a nice looking lassie. He'll be ask Mrs. Cosmo just to have a chat with her later on. If he finds out that there's been anything untoward and Joy and it wasn't Joy's idea, and God forbid Robertson's fucking just been trying it on with her. The next time the Cosmo sees him. In fact, Cosmo will be doing that fucking River City set as soon as he gets back from Bulgaria. <laughs> He knows that James can't stick up for his sister because James McAvoy's only fucking four foot eight, so Cosmo will step in. Because James McAvoy's even weirder than Ian Robertson. (laughs) So Cosmo will step in. And then at the end of the night, you know, when he's got fucking, he's got Heyman on the sofa, everyone else has gone home. He helps Mrs. Cosmo make sure the house is ship-shaped before they go to their bed. They get in bed and he says, that's the last time. That's the very last time. I'm doing a hugbunny party. Mrs. Cosmo says, oh, come on, Jim, you say that every year. And you always, you always want to have another one come September time. And he says, no, this is the last time. But Mrs. Cosmo knows that come late summer, early autumn next year, James will say, you know about doing a hugbunny party again, eh? They're always good. (laughs) (laughs) Be good to see my pals. Maybe, uh, maybe Hollywood Gerald Butler will come. If he's if he's in if he's in Glasgow seeing his ma and bring me uh, he always brings me a nice bottle of drams when he comes, uh, Gerald. Oh, James, if you're listening, would love to be invited to your 2024 New Year's party, please. And I hope it's as spectacular as we've just. <laughs> can you imagine this? Right? Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine a production assistant in the River City set chapping on Robertson's dressing room door? Uh, Mr. Robertson, James Cosmo's here to see you. Team Robertson's like. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> He's hiding under the bed. Cosmo banging on the door. We've just let him in. It's James Cosmo. I'm just back from Bulgaria, son. I've got my sorry out. I had to fucking... Not enough. I had to unblock the toilet after Petifer. I had to change the fucking sheets before me and Mrs. Cosmo could get into bed because I you and fucking Joy McAvoy. Fool of Seconds before... The production assistant comes in. Mac, uh, Robertson's just opened a WhatsApp from Joy, and all it says is, "I'm really sorry, Ian." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh well. <laughs> That's fucking hell. Cosmos New Year sounds amazing. It does. I wish I could go to that. It does. Yeah, it does. All right. Can, can you imagine just like sitting in next to that lazy Susan with Johnny Watson and Tony Roper just. Cracking away, doing impressions, and you know, just eating pickled eating onions. Pickled onions. And just, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> because on a, on a Cosmo Lazy Susan, it's only like it's like pineapple and cheese on cocktail sticks. Uh, it's like yeah. cocktail sausages, pickled onions. His wife does a sort of shredded carrot and raisin thing that was quite popular in the nineteen eighties as well. I don't know if you ever had mm. it. I used to quite like it. Uh, a bit of potato salad, you know. Yeah, there's none of that uh, Spanish shite. No, there's no chorizo tapas. or anything. It's it's not fucking tapas. Tapas, tapas, taps off. <laughs> Need taps off. <laughs> yeah. uh, so no, yeah. there's nothing like that there. It's it's the genuine staple, and it's a white plastic lazy susan. It's not a yeah. fancy one. Aye. or anything. It's one that can go. It's one they've had since the eighties. It's... They got it as a wedding present, probably. It's one they can fling in the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> What, Mrs. Cosmo? No, I'm saying the Daisy Susan. <laughs> it's one they could just... No, I meant, oh, right. <laughs> I meant Mrs. Cosmo was the dishwasher. No, a, a, <laughs> okay. a dishwasher's a modern, uh, well, relatively modern sort of appliance that Cosmo will allow, you know. 
He's, he's you know, yeah. It's fair enough. He doesn't want Mrs. Cosmo to be stood at the sink for hours and hours. He wants to spend time with her. He loves the woman. You know. Yeah, but he doesn't have a, an air fryer or a no George enough. Foreman but, lean green fat. But do you know grilling machine? Do you know something that fucking annoys Cosmo more than almost anything else? It's when it's when Mrs. Cosmo doesn't load the dishwasher properly because he's sh- oh Jesus oh God showed her so many oh. times. Where the big plates go, where the side plates go, which way up the cutlery goes, what pans can go in the dishwasher, what pans need to be washed in the sink, because putting dishwasher will fuck up the non-stick. Must have told her a thousand times. She never learns, does she? she? Oh, she never learns. But she, she's, she's fine for a few weeks. Cosmo goes away to, to like, Wyoming or something to do a guest role. <laughs> no, it's good. It's fucking Highlander. It's good. Wyoming <laughs> yeah. and Bulgaria. Do like a do like a sort of walk on on a on like a, another attempt to reboot the Highlander TV series. <laughs> Mrs. Cosmo, just all our good habits just go out the window. You know, bad habits creep back in. It's got a show again to test the patience of a saint. Poor Cosmo. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, I hope you have as good a hogmanay as. <laughs> It's Cosmos Hogmanay party. It's Cosmos not happening. fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Poor James. He's oh, got so much to clean up the next day. Uh, right. <laughs> if you've seen anything in the news, or if you've got any um, ideas for Cosmos next New Year party that we can pass on to the great man, then you can get in touch with us on cultureswally at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Insta at cultureswallypod. Or you can follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Pod. Right, Greg, before we go on to what we're going to be talking about today, let's have a little word from our sponsors. And our sponsor is, of course, Doric Skateboards, a skateboard brand created by Gary Kemp, whose main focus is to explore the people and the culture of Aberdeen and the northeast of Scotland, and to create designs that reflect life in that area. Doric Skateboards screen print their own decks in their studio by Gary's fair hand, and they have produced some amazing designs over the years, including an Annie Lennox-inspired board, a Robert the Bruce deck, and a plenty of pop deck inspired by the old Bonacord trucks that used to drive around Aberdeen delivering fizzy drinks. Doric skateboards also replicate these amazing designs onto clothing on 100% organic cotton tees, hoodies, sweatshirts, and you can also fill your boots on stickers, pin badges, beanies, and caps. Gary regularly collaborates with local artists to ensure that he brings the latest designs to the market, but always with a Doric twist, including the Ballater toy shop design, inspired by Scotland the What, which we actually need to cover quite soon, Greg. So check out Doric Skateboards for yourself on doricskateboards.com and you can follow them on Instagram at Doric Skateboards to see all the amazing designs on offer. And we are delighted to be able to offer you 15% off as listeners to this podcast. All you need to do is head to dorkskateboards.com, have a look at all the amazing decks, stickers, badges, hoodies and tees on offer and enter the promo code SWALLY. That's S-W-A-L-L-Y, same as the name of this podcast, and get your 15% off. That's dorkskateboards.com, link in the description of this episode. So, yep, that was our sponsor, Doric Skateboards. If you're looking for some Christmas presents for years oh, and years. after Christmas, so this will be coming out, Greg. Okay, for some New Year's presents for <laughs> years and years. Go onto their website and they'll get some cool stuff. But it was your turn to pick Nikki this week because I picked the bogeyman for the Christmas episode. So what are we talking about on this Hogmanay special? Well, Greg, as you've just said, it's Hogmanay. So we're talking about a show that was an absolute staple of Hogmanay from 1993 to 2020 when it ended. It is, of course, the Jonathan Watson vehicle, only an excuse. 
starting out as a radio special in 1987, and then there were three other radio specials before it made the leap to TV in 1993, replacing Scotch and Rye in the Hogmanay lineup, created by Phil Differ and starring mostly Jonathan Watson, but with a lot of other contributors over the years, it's essentially a sketch show which takes the piss out of the good and the bad of Scottish football, with impressions of some legendary Scottish characters such as Sir Alex Ferguson, Craig Brown, Walter Smith, Dennis Law, Chick Young, Frank McAvenny, and of course, Graham Souness amongst others, it spawned a whole host of catchphrases and jokes that have made their way into the lexicon of Scottish football and culture. Only an Excuse was an absolute institution and a must-watch of any comedy fan. So, there are so many episodes out there. Obviously, it ran from 1993 to 2020. But I thought we'd just pick one episode to watch, just to, to kind of cover. But we will talk about the show overall. So, I picked the 1999 episode, which is available on YouTube if anyone wants to watch it. And most of them are available on YouTube. But Greg, what are your memories overall of... Only an excuse. So I remember it must have been about 1994, and I think I'd, for whatever reason, I hadn't seen the first one in Hugby in 1993. And I was talking to my dad on the phone, and he asked me what I was doing for the Bells. And I, I can't remember what I was doing, probably not a lot, because I was only like 16, <laughs> 15 or 16, probably just going to like, drink some Thunderbird in somebody's garage. But um, he said, oh, you should you should tape only an excuse. And I, mm. and I, was, I, was, I, I had not heard of it at all at that point. So I did. And I remember watching that 1994 one. I wasn't quite as engaged in everything sort of Scottish football at that time. But there was obviously a lot of uh, characters who were unmistakable that they were parried in, particularly Graeme Souness and Dennis Law and Alex Ferguson are the three that I remember. I just remember being really funny. And I, re- I remember laughing at stuff that I didn't really get, but just the the way it was being performed just really made me yeah. laugh. You know what I mean? And I think as well, I think the, the power of only an excuse in Scotland is, you know, if you if you live in Aberdeen and you support Aberdeen Football Club, you at some point you're going to run into some players. You're going to, as you've described before, when we did the um, the the documentary about Aberdeen winning the Cup Winners' Cup, um, you're going to run into like Stuart Milne probably or the mm. manager. Mm-hmm. If you live in Glasgow, you're going to come across various uh, people associated with the old firm clubs. Uh, if you live in Dundee, you know I, I'm not sure that if you live in Manchester, the chances mm. of seeing. Uh, I don't know, Ryan Giggs in fucking Yates Wine Lodge <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's particularly likely but you know, if you live in Glasgow there's a good chance you'll see Barry Ferguson getting chucked out of our chaos, right? You know, so at some point so there's, you know, there's, there's a sort of intimacy about these big personalities in Scottish football for us, the viewers, you know, this, you know, we see them on the TV and their various uh, sort of personality little nuances and things. And there's every chance that you might bump into the Ian Jess and his wife and Frankie and Benny's or something like that if you live in Aberdeen. So I th- mm. it's just I think that's why it's so funny. And they, if you, they, the episode that we did uh, for the for this episode of the podcast. It's predominantly Scottish football, although there is a little bit yep. of uh, there's a wee bit of um, Premiership uh, sort of characters and stuff in there too. But it, I mean, it, it's, the episode that we that we did here is from 1999, which is 
24 years ago, almost quarter of a century mm. ago. But, you know, the the way that the characters that are like, the, or the people that are being sent up, like uh, Craig Brown, for example, would come off on in the media, whether it was in the newspapers or on Scott Sport or Match the Day or whatever. They just, this, they just really nail them, you know? And then, mm. and obviously they elaborate stuff as well and whatnot. But uh, it really, really made me, it really made me laugh much more than I was expecting. I was a bit nervous about watching it because it's such an old episode. I was like, well, I don't know how much I'll be able to remember, how much it'll resonate with me because it was so long ago. But, you know, like this, this stuff like with um, QC, what's his face, with the Donald Finlay, Finlay. with the <laughs> singing the sectarian songs. You know, I, I hadn't, I've not thought about that sort of, it was a bit of a scandal at the time. <laughs> I've not thought about that for yeah, fucking years. huge. And it just, it came f- rushing back to me <laughs> with this episode <laughs> I started watching it. I think that's the thing um, because th- that's kind of the reason I picked this episode because I did watch about five or six episodes <laughs> before picking this one and the reason I picked this one was because first of all it was kind of the best quality. Yeah. The sound quality wasn't great on a few of them and of course obviously I, I need to make some clips and, yeah. and stuff to put in but it, it just kind of resonated. And this was one I remembered really enjoying at the time and really laughing at. And I think that's that's why I kind of landed on the 1999 one. But you're right. I mean, I mean, this was an absolute traditional Hogmanay for me. <laughs> I, I don't remember watching maybe the first one, but I, I, similar to you, yeah. might have been 94, 95 that I probably first watched it and then I never missed an episode. Like I would tape it if we were going out. Even when I moved to Dubai, I downloaded it. You know, I made sure... Obviously, I had to download it from illegal sources at the time. But then, of course, iPlayer came out and yeah. then they, could, they were putting it on there. Um, but yeah, I, I've never missed an episode because I just found it so hilarious. And yeah, it just takes the piss out of Scottish <laughs> football. But what I love about it is it's not like there's no malice. It's not nasty. It's nothing. Yeah. It's not nasty at all. It's it's fun. <laughs> and it just kind of takes the piss and it just exaggerates kind of the, you know, it's so spot on in places, just yeah. as you've said, in terms of the way, I mean, and, and we'll come on to Jonathan Watson. He is just <laughs> it's incredible. It's 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 amazing how he does it. But some of his impressions are just so spot on. And I think what I love about it is, well, like, you probably have to have a little bit of maybe Scottish football knowledge to understand all the jokes. Yeah. But I don't think you actually have, you don't have to be an expert. I mean, I watched a show... I watched the the final show, which um, like Muriel Gray was on, mm. and she's like, "I know nothing about football, but I watched Only an Excuse every year, <laughs> and I found it hilarious because you don't have to know football to, you know." And it's true, like a lot of the jokes aren't football related, yeah. but it, it helps if you know the the background or the information of what's happened in the past year. But it's just so cleverly done. I mean, the, the I think the sketch in this episode that really sums up what you've just described is so we we we've seen Chuck Young already on the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire send up, and then and then there's one that comes a wee bit later where it's like the BBC News studio and. They, they still do in the background sort of blurred out. They've got all the researchers and things while they've got the, the newscaster at the front in focus giving you the, the news of the day and <laughs> she's telling us about how Rangers have just beaten Celtic in the old firm match and then you see this kind of blurred character in the background with you, and it's unmistakably Chick Young. We know it's Chick Young. <laughs> 
because we've just seen him a few minutes before on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, so we recognise the outline. And the thing is, you don't have to know that Chick Young, you know, sort of famously in his punditry, <laughs> was a wee bit in favour of, uh, of, of the Rangers to, to find that funny. Because he's, he's running about celebrating and waving his scarf about, and then he realises that he's on camera. <laughs> And he's, he's whole recovery thing, you know, it's brilliant. And that's the thing. I mean, Chick Young, obviously, I mean, for listeners that don't know Chick Young, he is a, a radio broadcaster, commentator, pundit on um, Radio Scotland. And he's been around for years, a, a journalist yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. I guess. And a writer, he wrote a book. Because yeah. he wrote a book about Rangers. And that's why <laughs> they focused on this for the show. And throughout the whole run of the show, he, uh, over all the years, it's been a joke that he is a Rangers fan, but he pretends to be a St. Mirren fan. And that's what I mean. That has entered the lexicon of (laughs) Scottish football. Everyone now thinks that Chick Young is a Rangers fan. And he is a St. Mirren fan. But, you know, and and it's the little, it's the tiny little jokes. Like you just mentioned the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire sketch. (laughs) When... Chris Tarrant says, and Chick Young from Ibrox, oh, sorry, Paisley, is, um, (laughs) it's such a little quick joke, but it's so funny. And if you know Chick Young, you know, it it just, it's hilarious, just a little thing. uh, Can I phone Walter Smith? Smith. We've got Chick Young here. He just hangs up. It's fucking brilliant. I played um, I played five sides a couple of times with uh, Chick Young when I lived. I remember that. Uh, yeah, I remember you saying that before. He fucking, I mean, this was back in sort of two thousand and three, thousand and four, and he was an older fellow then, even then. But he was, you know, he, he he worked a lot harder than I did. I was literally just blown at my arse and waiting for a chance to go and goals. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, to be fair to Chick, he uh, pounded up and down uh, the wee five sides pitch in Shawland, so he played that. So. It's a rapid sketch show. It's 28 minutes and 45 seconds long. Yeah. And there are 66 sketches <laughs> well, in this. Well, I made... Like, it's insane. I made a note. So in the first sort of maybe four minutes from the from when the show starts, we, we see Soonis. <laughs> we see Jim Kerr from Simple Minds, which is <laughs> very, very funny indeed. We see Fergie twice. And then we got McAvenny before we get to Chick Young. <laughs> And who wants to be a millionaire? And that's all in the first, like, maybe three or four minutes. It's, like, just rapid. Yeah. You know, Soonis is there talking about the tea lady at St Mirren that he fell out with and he made up, he made up with and we see her limping away, pushing the tea trolley. Now, did you know the whole story behind that? I was going to wait till later to come on to that, but I found an amazing article I, about this. I don't remember... If it, I don't remember it, if there was a story. Okay, so there's a, a sketch early on in this um, episode where Sunis says, uh, and he's at St Johnston, and he says, uh, I, so, you know, uh, Aggie the tea lady effectively drove me out of Scottish football. Uh, but we've had a conversation and we've sorted it. And then you see Aggie the tea lady hobbling up the, the corridor. So this genuinely happened, and it genuinely did drive Sunus out of Scottish football. So it was a, a game, a Rangers against St Johnston game at St Johnston, and Sunus was furious at the team, and he smashed a tea jug in the away dressing room. And Aggie and Sunus went head to head. This old woman stood up to him and squared up. <laughs> now, she, she gave an interview years later. She's passed away now, unfortunately. But years later, she gave an interview um, about this incident. 
And she said, and this is a quote from Aggie, he is just a plonker. <laughs> he always will be. I never liked the man and I never will. So he smashed this jug against the wall. She picked up the pieces of the shattered jug and was taking him to show her chief executive when she met Sunis and Walter Smith, um, who was the Rangers assistant manager at the time in the foyer. And she says, I held Walter Smith saying, she's got that jug. So I gave it to the managing director. And as far as I was concerned, that was it. I turned away and then I banged into him. Sunis, I would have just walked on had he not put his hand in his pocket and asked how much the jug was. <laughs> well, then I, well, then I saw red. And that was it. The things that he said. And he said to her, you'll never work at Rangers. <laughs> and Aggie said, I wouldn't be one of your puppets. <laughs> then things got worse. I pushed him. So Aggie pushed Sunas. And then he pushed her back. I was about an inch away from his nose. She continues, if he'd come back the next season, I would have finished it. <laughs> his nose would have been splattered over his face. That's the only thing I regret happening. I didn't finish it. I should have broken his big nose. <laughs> I will see him again. I will make it a point to meet him again. And I will finish what I started. <laughs> and apparently Sunus has made no secret of his disdain for this woman. And in his autobiography, he compared her to Last of the Summer Wines, Nora Batty. <laughs> so yeah, it's a true story. As soon as like had a massive fight with this tea lady at St. Johnston, and that was when he decided, I'm fucking done with Scottish football. <laughs> like, fuck this. And he joined Liverpool like two weeks later. So it's a true story. Yeah. But I, I just, I, I love that article. It's so funny. Um, you'll, you'll, but yeah. You'll never, you'll, you'll never work at features. <laughs> Sweet Persher team lady that probably is quite worked at St. Johnson for fucking 25, 30 years, quite happy. It's just not like she's like ambitious, thinking, you know, 10 years at St. Johnson and then maybe Dundee United, then the big time Ibrox, big serving tea Ibrox. They serve a better biscuit at Ibrox. Yeah. Uh, but they, come on, got- this old tea lady is saying that's the only thing I regret not happening. That I didn't finish it, I should have broken his big nose. <laughs> Splash soon as he's cooping. Can you imagine that at Rangers, like, if she isn't, like, you know, if she isn't serving the tea quick enough when Sunis was there and Sunis comes on and starts, <laughs> jumps in and starts taking the show. Because remember when he, was, when he was at Rangers, he'd always sub himself on when he was a player manager. So, yeah. you know, if, Aggie, if Aggie's not serving the tea quick enough, he'd sub himself on, push the tea trolley. <laughs> Aggie sits on the bench. <laughs> raging being taken off um i'll come back to soonest later on because i do have another soonest story to to talk about but i guess we need to speak about um before we go into a lot of the sketches and a lot of the the characters we need to speak about jonathan watson Mm. um before we go into that we've kind of hit upon it earlier slightly mentioned it but his impressions are just absolutely spot on in places and he maybe doesn't in some cases, he maybe doesn't look exactly like the person he's portraying. But as soon as he starts talking or does some some of the mannerisms, <laughs> it's it's immediately obvious who it's meant to be. <laughs> and it's incredible that he's such a chameleon that you can kind of tell exactly who he is. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it's just, he's an underrated genius, I think, Jonathan Watson. He's such a good mimic. Like, I was reading about the sort of big, like, the kind of humble beginnings of Only an Excuse, and uh, they had done a thing on Radio Scotland, 
as a parody of a documentary that came out around the time of the 1986 World Cup called Only a Game, mm. which is where they get the name, the, the name only an excuse from. And um, Only a Game was narrated by um, the famous Scottish novelist William McAvenny, who Watson could mimic perfectly. But I think <laughs> even, you know, when he's even like as Ferguson, because he, I think he, he doesn't look, to your point, anything like Alex Ferguson. Like nothing like no. him. It doesn't look anything like Alan McNally. <laughs> no. Like, but funny enough, in the scenes, in the sketches with McNally and Archie Ferguson, eh, Archie McPherson rather, the actor doing Ar- Archie McPherson looks quite a lot like Archie McPherson. I think. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. Know? But uh, I'm going to put my chips in the oven here, uh, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> And I love the um, Archie McPherson. It's so funny. He's like, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, carry on. Harma <laughs> <laughs> Allen, a sight I know very well indeed from my Eurosports days, strolling down La Rougouche in Paris, are quite honestly struggling against the Scottish champions. You said it, big man. The Italians have it. Amoruso, Brini, now it's back with Parma. Alan McAnally. Archie McPherson, listen there, man. I tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my head in the oven here. And uh, say sorry to uh, interrupt you there, Alan. Uh, carry on. I'm just thinking about you, but I'm gonna put my, my axe in the fire and say, if Rangers win this one, they'll be in with your big boys. You know, your, your Bayern Munichs, your Bayern Münchens, your, your Bayern Münchhausens. Oh, great, great, good, good, good personal friends of mine. Wow. He touched the Rainier. <coughs> Van Brock has the malls. Malls back to Amato. Squares it to Albers. You know, it does you proud to see a Scottish team playing this way. <laughs> and he's got his Rangers scarf on as well. <laughs> and that's another fluky goal for Valencia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. But yeah, it's more the, the mannerisms that he's got spot on mm. and the catchphrases. Yeah. And I'll come on to that later because a lot of the... I watched the, the very last show and they interviewed quite a few people that he'd mimicked. So they interviewed like Sunus, mm. Walter Smith, uh, Frank McAvenny. And I'll come on to them all individually later, but they all mentioned that like... Oh, fucking, he got me. <laughs> he got me. Like, he just absolutely got me spot on. And... It's incredible to watch, you know, just the, the way he mimics. And it's just the little expressions, like when he does Sunus, just a little kind of neck twitch, like, well, you know, yeah. I'm not saying. <laughs> or it's it, it's incredible the way he does it. Yeah, and the, the little nuances when he's doing Craig Brown's voice, you know, especially <laughs> especially the press conference when they're doing uh, Kevin Keegan and Craig Brown after, you know, obviously Scotland famously, <laughs> I'd be mean, it meant fuck all, unfortunately, but Scotland famously beat in England um, in the last, the last time they played at Old Wembley. Um, right about, well, obviously right about this time, right, right, right. And, uh, mm. and, and Keegan's, you know, talking about taking the lessons from the game and, you know, when we go next year and we win the tournament, <laughs> it's like, he goes, you're ma! <laughs> you know, it's, it's They've beaten us, terrific. You know, but we beat them first, Trifica. You know, I still think there's a lot of work to be done, you know, between now and when we win the tournament next year. Uh, you're more, Kev. 
It's the wee timid Craig Brown that he does so well. He's like, well, we had more throw-ins. We had more by kicks. We had more corners. And amazingly, we scored more goals than them. (laughs) We had more red stockings. Yeah, it's Craig Brown, and there's a lot of Craig Brown in this, which I loved. Yeah. And um, yeah, his impression is is fantastic. You know, when he's obviously, you know, um, speaking about the Scotland team and how it'd be great <laughs> to have the the annual friendly again, so that it, it's great for the Scotland fans, it's great for the Scotland team, and it's good for the Scotland manager because he can go on the pool at Stringfellows. <laughs> Because this was the year, because I had to double check, because there's a later sketch with Craig Brown, and he he says, um, who would I like to have one-to-one with? Well, any woman with that tape recorder. (laughs) And because this was the year that Craig Brown was found out of having three women on the go at the same time. (laughs) It's him. He was a a bit of a love rat um, around about this time, so that's why... A lot of the sketches are about him going on the pool or not going with a woman on a tape recorder or the, the you know, one of the last sketches when he turns up and he's like, where's the birds? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, um, but he's also, I mean, yeah, uh, Craig Brown, uh, amazing character, and some of his sketches are just fantastic. The, um, you know, the, and of course that'll lead on to the next one actually. When he's talking about the, um, when the draw was made, I thought I'd be like Sir Alex Ferguson, and the guy saw, you thought you'd be knighted. He's like, no, I shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so did you get? Do you remember that story about Alex Ferguson? Because that's most of the Fergie sketches are around. <laughs> Him shitting himself. Do you remember this story? I do remember it, yeah. I do remember it. So, big news. Yeah, so he was um, found not guilty of illegally driving on the hard shoulder after magistrates heard that he'd been suffering from severe diarrhoea and was trying to get to a toilet. So quite a few of the sketches involving Fergie are about his toilet issues. (laughs) He's walking away and he's like... You know, talking. I'm, I'm not being rude, so I'm just bursting for a shite. <laughs> and then when he comes out of the toilet, he's like, "I'll give that a minute, son." <laughs> this was this was uh, before he stopped talking to the press. Remember, there was a time Man United with Fergie. I think in the 2000s when they weren't yeah. they were they weren't quite as successful as they had been in the late 90s, and they just <laughs> got fed up with got fed up with like journalists asking them jaggy questions, <laughs> just like like. <laughs> I'm not fucking talking to the press anyway. This shit. But yeah, going back to Jonathan Watson. I mean, I remember. Obviously, he's he appears in uh, uh, Two Doors Down now as one of the main cast members. And um, there's an episode where they go to the pub, and it's it's uh, Alex Norton, Arabella Weir, and Elaine C. Smith that are in the pub, and it's like a sort of, supposed to be a sort of Weatherspoons type pub, and Jonathan, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Watson's character is there, and he's pissed. You know the episode I'm talking about? And he comes over and yeah, joins yeah. them, and he does such a good drunk. Because, you know, it's because he's not threatening. He's just sort of hapless. Well, <laughs> well-meaning, but sort of indelicate, <laughs> insensitive. Uh, he's, I just remember watching it. And it, it, the episode itself, I mean, like, Two Doors Down is, you know, it's. I, I watched the first episode of the new series the other day. Mm. You know, Dune's back, which is quite good, but it's still, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's not, okay. it's not as good as those first couple of series. But, um, yeah. you know, and, and it, it can be a wee bit hit and miss. 
and that that episode I think is is probably mostly missed the one I'm talking about. But you know mm. his <laughs> his performance in that episode when he's just being drunk basically is fucking hilariously funny. But also really true to life as well. You know, uh, it's just like I said before, it's just it's just such a good mimic. You know, yeah, no, it really is, and we've covered him quite a lot mm. on the podcast. I think he's been in quite a few things and we recently covered him in uh, uh, Let Us Pray. What was our Halloween episode? Let Us Pray. Let Us Pray. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, but he's been in so many things that we've covered him in for. In fact he's currently sitting one, two, three, fourth on the Swally Tally. Because <laughs> um, he's been in Let Us Pray, he was in Guilt Series 3. Um, That's what he was. That's right. Uh, he's in City Lights. We've done City Lights a couple of years ago. Yeah. We've done City Lights. We did a Two Doors um, Down pilot. We did. He's in Rabsy Nesbitt, of mm-hmm. course. He's in Local Hero. Yeah. He's in Bob Servant, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's in Filth as well. And, of course, Naked Video. Yes, Naked Video. What, who was he in Filth again? I've forgotten. I can't remember, but he's definitely in it. I've got him <laughs> down in the Swally Tally, so yeah. he must be in it at okay. some point. But um, I might need to double check that. Maybe I'll put a, a mark in the wrong column there. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, he's a uh, yeah massively underrated, I would say, in terms of uh, Scottish comedy. I mean, I don't know. He's an institution, I think, like oh, Jonathan Watson, sure. and he doesn't age. That's the other thing. <laughs> no. Like he's kind of got this incredible gift, like Paul Rudd. He's a Scottish Paul Rudd. Like, he just doesn't seem to age. Like, if you look back at the City... I think we mentioned that in the City Lights episode, that, like, he looks exactly like he does now. Yeah, he does. He looks exactly the same. I think it's like fucking, what? Like, nearly 40 years ago. Yeah, be 40 years ago next year. Because I think the first season of City Lights was 1984, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's, 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 so, he's just brilliant, I think. And, and if you watch some of the early episodes, Tony Roper's there mm. as well. They were there... Obviously, they worked together on Naked Video and Rabsy Nesbitt, and they were this original kind of double act for only an excuse when it was on the radio and things. But if I look at, I had a look at Wikipedia, and the amount of performers that have been on Only an Excuse over the years, I mean, mm. I, won't, I won't list them all, just tons. Quite a lot of them yeah. I've not heard of, but you've got, you've got uh, Alistair McGowan, who mm-hmm. very famous impressionist on the BBC, Greg Hemphill before um, Chewing the Fat, Gordon Kennedy, Gerard Kelly is there, um, Alex Norton, Joy McAvoy, I think Joy McAvoy's in the episode that we did, does she not? Uh, Joy McAvoy, no, no she's be. not in the episode that we did, she's in the, the last two episodes, she's in the 2019, the 2020 right. episodes. Of course, yeah, she wouldn't be in this one, she's too young. Um, but, I, maybe I, but I did watch a couple of episodes um, on YouTube, maybe, maybe I've Watch one of the later ones. Mm. Yeah, Tom Yuri, who I roasted earlier on. S- sorry, Tom. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just this is a huge list of Scottish talent that have been on the show over the years. But then it was on it was on for twenty seven years. Twenty seven years. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was an institution. It was mm. a genuine Hogmanay institution. I think that's why it worked quite well in the early days, as you've said, because it, effectively the radio show and the very first episode were really kind of Jonathan Watson and Tony Roper. Mm-hmm. And it kind of worked well in that, the fact that Jonathan Watson is a Rangers fan and Tony Roper is a Celtic fan. Yeah. So it kind of worked it too. And I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to say, like, obviously the episode we've watched, the same as every episode, it's very Rangers and Celtic heavy. Yeah. And that's to be expected. Because they are more the focus of the media mm-hmm. in Scotland. So yeah. there's more news stories. There's more stuff to take the piss out of. It's it's funnier. Uh, so I did count. 
Out of the 66 sketches featured, 41 were about Rangers or Celtic. Yeah. So 62% of the show is about them. But probably a lot of the majority after that is about Scotland. Yeah. National team. So there's only like a few sketches for Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts. Like, there's not a lot. I mean, there's two, three Aberdeen sketches, I think. Um, <laughs> and, and they're Stuart Milton sketches, effectively. But... Yeah. There's not like a couple of hearts or hips. There's, there's not much else. But well, there's, there is, it's, there is, it's to be expected. There is the hips sketch where the, the fans say that, because that was about the time that the E.T. BT commercial was on, and they say the E.T. looks like Pat McGinley. <laughs> yes. I did like that a lot, yes. <laughs> did like that very much. The other, but again, <clears throat> there's no malice. Well, no, but I don't think so. You know, it's just I think it's though. I mean, right about this time, I mean, you've still got people who you got got people like Charlie Nicholas and Derek Johnson, and you know, guys who had been not that long really since they had hung up their boots, sort of ten years, maybe ten, fifteen years. But you kind of feel like they can take it. You know what I mean? They they can take a they can take someone making fun of them. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, okay. Let's go on to some of the characters then, because we've we've spoken about obviously the, the Jonathan Watson, who is kind of the mainstay. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to characters. Okay, yeah. Um, let's start with Charlie Nicholas. Um, <laughs> just like brilliant, the way he's portrayed just is always fantastic. I loved. It's towards the end of the episode where he's speaking about Nathan Lyons, and he's like, he's quick and he's ginger, rare rare qualities. <laughs> a big red beacon you can't teach orange hair that's the kind of thing you're born with <laughs> St Johnson's Nathan Lowndes I like this kid he's quick and he's ginger rare, rare qualities that orange top and his napper makes him a rare target a big red beacon if you like shining forth gingerness and inviting the cross and as you know Jim you can't teach orange hair that's the kind of thing you're born with <laughs> the thing is that is so realistic to Charlie Nicholas yeah. because I don't know if you've ever seen it it's, it's a very famous kind of meme that it was on Sky Sports News it was Jeff Stelling and Charlie Nicholas and Jeff Stelling says something to Charlie Nicholas to take the piss out of him and Charlie Nicholas comes back with like the worst retort ever and it's like well you don't like to wear your glasses Jeff I, I saw you driving last night without your glasses because you don't like to wear glasses and it, you have to kind of see it to understand how funny it is because it, it just falls deadpan and it just fits in so well with the show. That's the kind of shite Charlie Nicholas comes out with. <laughs> and I say that loving Charlie Nicholas because he was a, played for Aberdeen, you know, mm. champion Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously a big star for Celtic as well. He was, was my cousin's favourite player uh, back in the early 80s, Charlie Nicholas. So he was. And then the other... <laughs> character that I like him doing is Dick Advocat, especially when he goes to see Paul Lambert in the hospital. <laughs> you should have been sent off. <laughs> it's, so that was very famous of that game. Paul Lambert like tackled George Albert, so they got a penalty and uh, Paul Lambert lost his front teeth and obviously he was excited about his debentures. Um, but... <laughs> That was very famous at that time. So, yeah, that, that was brilliant. Dick Advocat is a, a, a great character that he plays. Yeah. There's, there's some great sketches as well where they send up uh, a shot at glory. They have uh, Robert De Niro <laughs> as Hugh Dallas. <laughs> um, and I do like the... Um, 
because obviously I have Robert Duval speaking about Ali McCoist, mm. and then you see the famous recreation of Duval holding up the Keep Ulster Protestant scarf, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was very brave of them to do. <laughs> I remember that being in the paper, and but I, yeah. I don't remember us talking about it when we did the Shot at Glory episode. We did. did we we mentioned it, it, yeah. But I, I, definitely I, I definitely it, remember yeah. it being in the paper, because I just remember yeah. Robert Duval looking like proud as punch, and obviously having yeah. no idea of the people that he was upset that it was upsetting. No, we definitely mentioned it, without a doubt. But you're right, Robert De Niro is Hugh Dallas. And it's brilliant. Are you talking to me? Did you put my windows in? <laughs> Did you throw money at me? <laughs> like, the thing is, though, is um, that's the one thing I would say. His Robert Duval impression, I was like, is this meant to be... I know it's meant to be Robert Duval, but I was thinking this is more like Robert De Niro. And then I thought he that turns is... up as Robert De Niro. Yeah. And I was like, ah. Oh. I thought the same thing. Yeah. I think there's a bit when he smiles and it looks like a, like a bit of a De Niro mm. smile. Yeah, but uh, yeah, great, because obviously that would have been around about the time that A Shot of Glory had come out, so um, I thought that was a, a great sketch to have as well. Do you know, I think maybe being a wee bit unkind to Dennis Law, <laughs> especially on his, uh, who wants yes. millionaire, who wants to be a millionaire I think sketch. I, I, I did read that Jonathan Watson said that his favourite character to play was Dennis Law, <laughs> and he's always been portrayed as this kind of idiot and I, I couldn't find anything about Dennis Law speaking out about it. Mm. Um, I said, I've got quite a few quotes from quite a few people that are portrayed in the show yeah. and what they think of it. But Dennis Law, I couldn't find anything about him. But yeah, he's portrayed as an idiot. The one, and I, I don't think it, it wasn't in this one. It's from an earlier show. Um, and it's always, it's one of the famous kind of only an excuse lines that always sticks with me. And he's like, oh, Pelly, Pelly, what a player. He was unique. You know, he was just unique. He was like Eusebio, you know, just unique. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Dennis Law is portrayed as an idiot, and that's that's like the second sketch I think in the um, in the show. Yeah. And he says, uh, "The Millennium." No, I put carpet in my kitchen. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> But then they have him on who was a millionaire and uh and yourself, you know, so what's your name? It's like, oh uh, I think I need to use a lifeline. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they do portray um Dennis Law as a complete idiot throughout the show. Um which is a bit of a shame because mm. he obviously is um but then he does come up with a the odd quip because I think his last sketch is um, you know, the new James Bond, they had to let one go due to the Brosnan thing. <laughs> so they they occasionally give him his moment mm. to shine yeah, yeah. and and show that he's a bit funnier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we spoke about Sunus earlier, I think, and I think his portrayal is great. So I did. Um, Sunus was on the the kind of last episode and did a talking head interview, and he said when he first saw it, he was angry. At only an excuse. But the reason he was angry was because Watson had got him spot on. <laughs> yeah. And he realised that he sounded ridiculous. <laughs> but he did say that, like, overall, it was an honour to be yeah. mimicked on the show. So I think he took it in good heart. And genuinely, I think the majority of people took it in good. Because, again, you know, as we've said before, there's no malice. No. There's nothing offensive. They would never go into anything bad that had happened in a player's life or a manager's yeah. life or something and take the piss out of it. It's all fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, as soon as it was like, yeah, I was a bit angry, but just because he just got me so spot on. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think I've told the story in the podcast before, but I met Graeme Souness when I was flying from London to Newcastle for my sister's wedding. Mm. And 
I was sitting behind a couple of guys and they were talking. One of the guys was American and they were talking about football and I could hear this Scottish accent talking about how he'd been a player and my ears sort of pricked up a wee bit and then he said they played for Scotland and I was thinking, who's this fucking lying cunt? (laughs) (laughs) You're played for Scotland? (laughs) You're ma. (laughs) You're ma. So uh, I got up to get something from the overhead well I didn't need to get anything at the overhead locker but I got up in the pretense of getting something at the overhead locker so I could eyeball who it was and it, and it was soonest so um I was telling my wife quite enthusiastically how um it was it was it was I think Newcastle United were playing Tottenham that night at St James's Park and he was flying it was obviously uh, commentating on it or doing his pundit so I said I said to my wife oh dear. so when we got off we're waiting for our bags and she said why don't you go and ask him for a photograph and I was like no 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 she's like go on the other people are getting a picture taken with him go and ask so I went and asked him, and I've got to be honest, he was, he could be nicer. He was really, yeah. you know, I mean, I, obviously I remember, I, my memories of him was when he was the player manager at Rangers and then later on at Liverpool and Galatasaray and his sort of reputation for being a bit of a bruiser and everything else. But uh, yeah, really, really, really nice fella. But I, I always, what was going through my mind was one of the very first only excuse episodes I'd seen when they were sending up um, Sunnis and they were saying, well, you know, first of all, you know, if, if, if I get subbed on, if I sub myself on rather uh, for Rangers, the first thing I like to do is I really like to get my heels into the defence, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 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 so that was sort of ringing in my mind when I was when I was having a very the very briefest of chats with him. But I've got to say, he was a very nice man. And also on that last show, Kenny Dalglish was interviewed as well, and he said that he took it in good nature uh-huh. and it was very fun. And you know, Kenny, I've I've always liked Kenny. Like, yeah. he seems like a nice guy. And he, and he said, like, if you can't laugh at yourself, then you have a problem. Yeah, for sure. And I think Jonathan Watson's portrayal of him. And there's only maybe one Kenny sketch, I think, in this show. Yeah. And, of course, the famous catchphrase, you know, maybe his eye, maybe his nose. Because Kenny was just that type. And his sketch in this is hilarious, though, um, Mm. because it leads on from a John Barnes sketch, which we'll come back to in a second. But Kenny's hilarious when he's just like, well, I don't know, I've told you. You know, if you're not telling people, I'm not telling people. I'm sick fed up of, (laughs) you know, know, telling people. (laughs) If people don't know what I do... It's because you're not telling them. There's a point in telling you if you're not telling them. I've done two interviews. I'm sick fed up telling you. If you're not telling, I'm not telling. It's just the ambiguity yeah. of, of Kenny talking in riddles. And it's hilarious. But that was just Kenny Dalglish as well. And, you know, got him spot on again. Yeah, and going back to the John Barnes piece, you know, it's... <sighs> given modern sensibilities it's you know it's it's sort of uncomfortable but the thing is like it's they don't make fun of his ethnicity they're making fun of him as when he was the manager at Celtic or the coach rather at Celtic and I don't think John Barnes would take any offence um from that I've listened to an interview with him recently Mm. um he was on a podcast speaking about his career and stuff and talking about the racism that he had kind of had to to go through but he just took it in his stride um and I'm not saying this is racist like uh, for anyone that hasn't watched it Jonathan Watson does kind of black up mm-hmm. um for doing this but obviously he wouldn't do that nowadays but it, no. it 1999 but I don't agree with it but the sketches were quite funny and you know I, I hugely remember the John Barnes era I was at the the um one of his first games in charge um against Aberdeen mm. At Pataudry, and we beat them 3 2. Celtic got three penalties 
in that game. They missed two of them. And they, Reggie Blinker scored the most spectacular own goal I think I've ever seen. Like he lobbed his keeper from like 20 yards. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, the John Barnes debacle at Celtic with Kenny Dalglish was a little bit of a disaster. Yeah. But um, they kind of take the piss out of it here in terms of they're like, you know, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and when he's talking about his formation, he's like 442, 90210. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also have um I mean he's not portrayed in this as such. Um in fact I don't think he's portrayed in this episode at all, but Walter Smith was portrayed um a few times uh, throughout the series. Mm. And he was in the last episode and he said ver- something very similar to um to Ken Dagleish that he said that like if you don't find it's funny, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And he said, like, I, I noticed, like, I watched the first few episodes and he said, like, it's good to have the piss taken out, out of you at times. But he noticed that Jonathan Watson had picked words or phrases that he said a lot, <laughs> which is obviously, yeah. particularly, and in this present moment. And that's every time Jonathan Watson does Walter Smith, he says those things, often in repeat. And he's like, well, obviously, particularly in this present moment, I'm going to be doing this. And Walter Smith says, after he watched it, he was like, I tried so fucking hard not to say those words in interviews, like, because it was on my mind, but then I kept saying them. And it just, it was on my mind, like, this is going to be taking the piss out of. So, um, yeah, yeah he, he had to try and stop after it became popular. The other, there's another um, moment in this that really, really, really made me laugh. And that was the the first division coverage. <laughs> oh, oh, it was fantastic. And so true to form, though. <laughs> Like it's exactly true to form, and it's brilliant. It's just the post and the way it's all blurred. Yeah. People are standing up in front of the cameras. Oh, that that was one of my favourite sketches as well. Absolutely loved it. Find it hilarious. Yeah, so it's so funny. It's so clever. And then the other the other one was the sports junction advert. <laughs> <laughs> Look like your heroes. It's the fat guy in the Celtic top at the end. With Malby on the back. Look like your heroes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, it reminded me of the um, the chew and the fat. Are you gay? Yeah. Advert, in a way. Like the way the voiceover is and the way they're all dancing yeah. about. The night chug. But, yeah. Night chug. It was the night chug. That's a night chug. Um, but yeah, it's it's brilliant in terms of the way. But God's sake, you know, um, Scotland set Italian nightly shirts for like two quid. That's I a know. And they're nice shirts. They're nice. That's a nice jersey. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah, it's a really nice shirt. Yeah. But yeah, that was a, a very good advert. I, I did appreciate that as well. I think that jersey was the the sort of return of the collar, on the, wasn't it, I think? Mm. Or up until then, it was still the sort of elasticated, rounded, or V-neck. And I think that Italian 90 heralded in the return of the of the collar on the Scottish shares, I think. I'd have to say, throughout the whole run of Only an Excuse, and I, I kind of picked the wrong episode here for me, because my favourite character of all time and only an excuse is Frank McAvenny. <laughs> he's not in it too much, is he? Uh, he's, he's got like two sketches and they're both towards the end. So I definitely picked their own sketch. But um, there was an interview with McAvenny speaking about this and he's like, oh, I fucking loved it. <laughs> he's like, he's, it's almost too lifelike. <laughs> now, bear in mind, I've read Frank McAvenny's autobiography. I don't know if you've um, I've not read it. ever read it. No. no. It's called Scoring. An expert's guide. And he's not talking about goals. Like, it's, all, it's all about shagging birds. 
and that you know it, it's it's true in terms of things. he's like i loved it he's like it's almost life like um whenever he comes back to scotland or when he's in scotland he says he gets stopped every two minutes and someone comes up to him and goes, far's the birds. Yeah. Far's the birds. I'm sure. He's like, but he said in the interview, he's like, look, there's no malice in it at all. And he actually looked forward to watching it every year to see what he was getting up to that year. And it's a very famous sketch. He said it's his favourite sketch of all time. And it wasn't, in, it was in a very later episode that he's at a petrol station and he's filling up his car and there's two girls filling up their car and they're kind of giving each other the eye and winking and flirting. And he goes into the petrol station and the attendant goes, uh, pump two? <laughs> and Mac goes, no yet, but I'm working on it. This <laughs> <laughs> is... <laughs> It's these little reactions that kill me, you know, when they sort of hear something and, you know, the, the white teeth and the, the sort of, the kind of eye of the camera. It's just, it's so funny. It's so funny. Uh, but he said he actually really appreciates that Jonathan Watson's effectively kept him in the limelight, in the public eye over all these years in Scotland because of only an excuse. That's what everyone knows him for yeah. now. Not the fact that he was a prolific goal scorer in the fucking old English first division or you know, the Celtic before or that. For Celtic. Yeah. yeah, for Celtic. It's the fact that he's he's now known as uh, First Birds <laughs> guy. Which yeah, so yeah, he's my favourite character, so I was a bit upset that there there wasn't too much about yeah. him. Not a huge amount of Aberdeen, a couple of sketches of Stuart Milne wearing his wig. Do you remember Stuart Milne when he removed his wig? It was on the front page of the Evening Express I, in Aberdeen. I do remember, and I thought he looked a thousand times better because he when yeah. when I worked at Frankie and Benny's at the beach, he used to come in on a Saturday after a home game with Willie Miller, and they'd have a drink at the bar, and he always had that fucking ridiculous syrup on his snapper. Well. He, because he used to come into the Athol a lot mm. when I worked there, and he had three wigs. He had one that looked like it had just been cut, one that looked medium length, and one that looked like he was needing a haircut. And you know, he was a millionaire, so <laughs> yeah. that's that's what you would do. That's the sensible thing to do. But it wasn't until one of the other barmen pointed out to me, and I noticed like the next week he had a different wig. I was like, fucking hell, his hair's grown quite a lot in a week. <laughs> like, it's... <laughs> But yeah, um, very much, uh, yeah, nice taking the piss out of Stuart Milne this week. Um, probably my favourite sketches in the show that you touched upon earlier are, and it was a massive scandal, was Donald Finley QC <laughs> caught singing sectarian songs on camera. <laughs> so they take the piss out of this. They got a few things. With him saying, ah, that was, that was the only songs they filmed. I sing lots of other songs. So they have him singing Bohemian Rhapsody, Tiger Feet, which I think is my personal favourite. <laughs> by now. Um, <laughs> Devil Woman by Cliff Richard. Uh, Rod Stewart's Do You Think I'm Sexy? And maybe my other favourite is the, the very last one is Carl Douglas Kung Fu Fighting. Ding, 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 ding. Because he even does the, that and, as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just... Absolutely fantastic. Donald Finlay, QC, a very high established legal eagle in, yeah. in Scotland, but they, they take the piss out of him by doing these karaoke songs because he was caught singing sectarian songs on camera. So I think it's only fair that you're you're up for a, a bit piss taking for this. But I yeah, when it cut to him just going, when he was singing Tiger Feet, I just 
lost it. The real Donald Finley beeped his horn at me once uh, in the Merchant City because um, in Glasgow because I crossed the road in front of his car. Um, and it was early. It was like six o'clock or something in the summer's night. I had, I had anything to drink. I just, I don't know. I, I, I misjudged his speed and he gave me a toot because <laughs> he had to say, he had to slow down <laughs> for me when I cross the road. I, I just I didn't quite catch his eye but he uh he, he gave me a bit of a, a bit of a glower so he did. He wasn't happy. There was another sketch which had and and this is what I also like, because he obviously portrays the the good and and famous of Scottish mm. football, but he also portrays Rangers and Celtic fans. <laughs> and you obviously have the Rangers fans in terms of uh, uh, two great sketches, you know, we got married at Ibrox. She wore the white away strip, and I did like the the sketch with the Rangers fans about Billy Dots. He gave us something we've all been crying out for for years: a player called Billy. <laughs> yeah, and that. But the um, the Celtic fan listened to the radio, and it's it's all about Oliver Teebly, who was a defender they had at the time that John Bards had signed, and he was terrible and. I think the whole premise of the radio joke is like, oh, Tibli does this on Celtic on the attack. Oh, and Tibli gives it away. Oh, Tibli's done this. And and there was two headlines from the John Barnes era that will go down history. And that is, of course, when he lost to Cali Thistle. And the famous headline was, you know, Super Cali Go Ballistic Celtic are atrocious. Mm-hmm. Whoever came up with that deserves, you know, a lifetime yeah, um, free award. Yeah. But the other one was um, when Celtic had Oliver Tibli in defence and they had a Brazilian defender as well at the time called Raphael Scheidt <laughs> and it was spelt S-H-E-I-D-T but obviously it was pronounced Scheidt so that led to so many jokes and it was after a game they conceded a couple of goals and I can't remember which newspaper if it was Daily Record or The Sun and the headline was Celtics defence is teably Scheidt <laughs> and just it just reminded me of that headline when I was hearing about Oliver Tibley. I hadn't heard that name in years, like decades. But I remember that headline, Celtic's defence is teably shite. So we've been we've been recording for two hours and twenty minutes. Um yeah. do you have any more on only an excuse? <laughs> Probably a lot more. I could speak about yeah. it for a lot longer, actually. Um yeah, I mean, I just absolutely adore this show. Love it so much. Just an absolute institution. Um, I'm sad it's gone, but I think it maybe had had its day Yeah. towards the end. I think it, it was maybe getting a little bit stale. I mean, we didn't even touch on Jim Kerr. Just a couple of little sketches there about his, his love, his passion for eyeliner, <laughs> his passion for Celtic. Yeah. It's so funny. I don't know, I think... I think probably the reason this endured for so long is because it was on once a year. Like the last mm. sort of sketch show with somebody doing impressions that I can remember, and I think it sort of came and went because I don't know if maybe if maybe they're a wee bit out of fashion now. But uh, Tracy Ullman had a t- you know Tracy Ullman the Ameri- well the English comedian that used to be quite famous in America. She had a sketch show on ITV on a Saturday night of. Maybe less than ten years ago, and she's a she, mm. she's like Johnny Watson. She's a very good impressionist, a very good mimic, and it was on like prime time. I think it was in the Saturday Saturday night takeaway slot um, when uh, Aunt and Beck were having a bit of a holiday, and it just. I mean, I saw bits of it, and she, you know, she's funny. Tracy Ullman's funny, but I don't know something about show that's all sketches with people doing impressions of recognisable celebrities and things i don't know it just seemed a wee bit old-fashioned but i think with this because the folk because he's he always 
was was all about football, in particular the Scottish football. And because, like I said earlier on, he's doing people that you might see doing Asda, <laughs> depending on where you live, or yeah. you know what I mean, or yeah. you might see in a pub or something like that. It just it just I don't know. It just sort of, it sort of climbed into like people's hearts and just sort of set up shop for years in Scotland. Uh, it's just fantastic. So funny. And so clever. I think it was a good mix, as you say, of all the famous people we know um, and that we can see. But it it came a lot latterly. But there was a few glimpses in this episode of kind of just normal Scottish football fans as well. Yeah. And, you know, as I've said, mentioned the Rangers and Celtic fans. And um, another great, and it's a very quick sketch, is, and it was very famous at the time, was the Daily Record hotline column. Yeah. And you just see the phone there with someone phoning in. He goes, ah, we must kick racism out, racism out of Scottish football, along with all these foreign bastards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's, I saw a bit of what... No, a little bit of a sketch that wasn't on this episode, but I think they filmed it uh, in 1994 when um, America hosted the, the the World Cup, and it's Tony Roper as a Rangers fan wandering around New York, and he's got his hairs, oh, yeah. his hairs that red, white, and blue, and he's moaning so he can't get Radio Clyde, and he's tranny. <laughs> Sorry, when I say tranny, I mean transistor radio. I don't mean. Uh, anything else and and probably the most controversial joke on this is the um when he's dressed up as Gianluca Vialli when he says uh, I'm a firm believer if you're good enough you're old enough <laughs> that's what got Graham Ricks into trouble yeah which I've, I've told the story in the podcast before but I will tell it again very quickly Graham Ricks was convicted of sleeping with a I think she was 16 or 15. She was slightly younger, but he um, he did go to prison for it. And then he ended up managing Hearts. And his first game in charge of Hearts was against Aberdeen at Pataudry. And for pretty much the whole game, we sang Young Girl by <laughs> Gary Puckett and the Union Jack. <laughs> The whole way. Young girl, get out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. We're not condoning paedophilia on the culture, Swally, but... Um, but we are... It's funnier than time. But we are condoning making fun of paedophiles. <laughs> yes, we are making... Yeah, we are condoning that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd, uh, right. We can put it through the awards, but I will just leave you with one of my... The line that cracked me up, it was a Frank McAvery line. Um, out of touch with Scottish football. I thought Bobby Petter was a sex aid. <laughs> oh dear. As, as I said, this won't take long because as I said before we started recording, I didn't do any awards for this episode because okay. I, didn't think, uh, I didn't think it really worked. But anyway, you have done, so we're going to go through them. Um, I'll take you through mine quickly. First award then, the Bobby the Barman Award for the best pub. Uh, it's the bar that McAvenny is in when he's reading the Financial Times when they're going down. Or the bar the Hearts fans are in when they're speaking about uh, Pat McKinley looking like E.T. Uh, I'll probably go with the bar the Hearts fans are in, actually. Yeah. Like, it looked a bit better. Yeah, okay. it looked a bit more little, my kind of style of pub. Nice little Rose Street pub, maybe. Yeah. Um, next one, then, the Cosmo Award for being everything Scottish. Jonathan Watson. Jonathan Watson, of course. The Jake McQuillan Your Tea Award. It was off screen, but soonest and Aggie the tea lady. <laughs> Poor Aggie. Although I think she'd have come off best in a real, in a, so. in a real square go. She'd burst his big nose. <laughs> uh, so no unity, so we'll skip over the McGregor Award. No. The Francis Begbie Award for gratuitous swearing. Fergie, I'm just bursting for a shite. <laughs> What's your archetypal Scottish moment? Uh, I had two here. It's either the sports junction advert with the Celtic fan with his belly hanging out his top 
I could be any old firm fan. <laughs> um, but I did like the, as you aforementioned, the um, Craig Brown, Kevin Keegan, when Kevin Keegan says, when well, we win the tournament next year, and <laughs> Craig Brown turns, aye, you're more, Kev. <laughs> Just something about I your mom. It's just so archetypally Scottish. It's, it's the, because he's he's smiling and looking at the camera as he says it. That's what makes it so funny for me. And the well, I mean that you know, I guess it's a foregone conclusion. But the big time award. Who's who's the winning player for you in this episode of Only an Excuse? That's Jonathan Watson, yeah, of course. All isn't day, it? yeah, fantastic. All day long. Okay, so that was only an excuse. Happy New Year. It was. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy Hogmanay to all our listeners. I hope you enjoyed um, yourselves and you enjoyed us talking about Only an Excuse. So that was my choice. So on the next episode of The Culture Swally, Greg, we will be having our Best of the News special, which we will cover the best of the news from 2023. However, on the next episode after that, it's your choice on what we're going to be talking about. So why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about on the next episode of The Culture Swell. Well, I thought, seeing as how we did The Slab Boys a few episodes ago, and then pretty much two weeks later, the author, John Byrne, passed away. We've been talking about it, I think, almost since we started doing the podcast, and we've now grown into doing it. So I thought for the, the episode after the next episode, we should cover John Byrne's Robbie Coltrane and Emma Thompson starring Tutti Frutti. Can I just say to our listeners, like, I, I genuinely mean this. Greg and I do not know what each other are going to pick on the next episode until we hear it on the podcast. And I've been hoping that he was going to pick Tutti Fruit <laughs> because we do have a few weeks off because we're doing the best of you, so it means we can cover it properly. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I've been dying to do that. So yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to hear that because I haven't seen it. Um, I, I mean, I didn't even see it when it first came out because I was too young. No. But I, I have seen it at some point. I think my drama teacher showed it to me or something one night when he took me back and... <laughs> What? Put something in my drink. Um, no, I'm, I'm joking about that. I, I, I think we watched it in drama class at some point because he loved it so much. Um, I'm so delighted you picked that, Greg. Thank you so much. Um, I can't wait to watch that over the festive season and speak to you about it in January. Brilliant. Well, a very happy new year. I hope you all have as good a hug beneath as uh, Mr. and Mrs. Cosmo had at our party that we <laughs> spoke about earlier on. A little yeah. Cosmo fantasy. We'll see. And I hope uh, Brian Pettifer hasn't clogged your toilet. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to follow us on the socials, you can at uh, Culture Swally Pod on Insta, or we are on X, formerly as Twitter, at Swally Pod, or you can email us with any requests or anything you'd like us to cover or anything you've seen in the news on cultureswally at gmail.com. And we have a website as well, don't we, Greg? We do. You can find us at cultureswally.com. Uh, there are links to all the episodes, including this one, uh, articles about various things related to Scottish news and culture. So come and check us out. Wonderful. Right. Well, have a wonderful Hogmanay, Greg, and I will see you in 2024. Did you will. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. <laughs> 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 